E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. Hi, gang. <laughs> Whoa, what is going on today, man? Yeah, baby. Uh, welcome in. Happy Friday, one and all. We've had some minor little technical difficulties. Not a big deal. Wow. We're up and running. That's all that matters. And just for the fact that we had a little bit of an issue, Derek, I'm going to give you a double countdown right out of the chute. Here we okay? go. Here we go. All right. Eagles. The Eagles are now 53 hours and five minutes away. Okay. The Phillies are 31 hours and actually 31 hours on the nose. Boom. That's how close we are to this thing getting real. Yes. Welcome in, everybody. Happy Friday. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. We're going acapella. Derek Gunn, Rob Ellis hanging out with you. Appreciate everybody. Sorry we it took us a second to get going, but we are. We're rocking and rolling, baby. Ready to roll. You see what what Chrissy said? She said, uh, I must have been tending to my barbecue while you were finishing your bowl of dry Cheerios. (laughs) I mean, come on. Seriously. We already started this mess. It's early in the morning. You you kidding me? And your audio is dipping in and out. So this this is quite an interesting start to the show, to the program. So we're good. We're good. Hi, everybody. Uh, hi, uh, let's get a shout out to where you are. All right. Sween Bull, Tina, Twiz, K1, Father Sean, Daz, Christy, Nafiz, our whole crew. Uh, it's good to see you. We have a monster show, by the way, Derek. So yes, coming sir. up at 1130, Scott Fransky, Phillies radio extraordinaire, play by play, man. 12 o'clock, the Diddy himself, the Hall of Famer. Ray Didangel, he'll be joining us at 12 o'clock. So we have... How'd you say that? How'd you say that? Didangel, oui, oui. Didangel, okay. Didangel. So we have a lot going on today. Uh, We know that Ranger Suarez is going to start game one. So Rob Thompson has made that announcement. So that much we know. We also know, as you reported yesterday, Fletcher Cox uh, will not be playing in this game. Uh, Missed practice yesterday. You know, as... Did uh, Marlon Tui Pelotu as well. Uh, you had limited practices for uh, Britton Covey and Sidney Brown. So the Eagles go into this one potentially a little bit banged up, Gunner. Well, uh, that that's the nature of the beast. They've been mixing and matching for the past several weeks with a, a multitude of little injuries. And, you know, like, like most teams in the NFL – it's the next man up mentality and you have to find a way to overcome these things. And so far they have been able to do that, but um, you know, th- they got to get healthy. And, and I don't know if we'll ever see them as healthy as they were a year ago. I mean, you know, it's the nature of the business. Um, luckily these young players are getting some valuable reps um, and are getting valuable reps in a winning situation. And hopefully you just cross your fingers. And hopefully they can keep that going. Because I do think this Rams team out there, it's a much different game playing it out there. Yeah, I do think this Rams team is going to be a formidable test, a formidable test for them, uh, considering um, they're allegedly getting Cooper Cup back. Yep, and of course uh, the Rams are zero two at home this season. Yes, that is uh, that is correct. They have it's not huge. played well yep. at home. Um, so yeah, I mean, look, there's a lot at stake here, obviously, and we're going to get into it a little bit later. How big this game is potentially, also if the if the Cowboys lose to the Niners, which is the, you know the Sunday Sunday oh, yeah. night game, um, yeah. So that that is going to be really really interesting to see what ends up happening there. Um, that's for sure. Give me your gut, Derek. Like, give me your gut about the Eagles game, and I want I want your gut, not 
full-blown analytics here, but give me your gut, what your gut's telling you here about the uh, about the Birds game against the Rams. Because I, uh, I, I think uh, Eagles going to give some points up, but tell me where you're at. I, I believe this game is going to be just like three of the previous four games uh, down to the wire. You look at the, they've won three of their four games by single-digit margins. And, of course, the opposition helped them uh, cost themselves an opportunity to win in crucial situations in all three of those losses. Um, I, I think the Eagles are – I always say when you when you're riding on luck, you know, and I don't like to use the word luck. Sometimes it catches up to you, but in a lot of ways, I mean, to be honest, the Eagles have been lucky in situations, no question about that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Ron Rivera decides not to go for two against the Eagles. You know, and you can still debate that. You know, would they have gotten it, uh, considering you know Sam Howell had a good game against them? You look at the two other games I brought up yesterday for the opposition, two two different games where. The, on, a, on a fourth down situation, a receiver catches the ball. It's reviewed over and over. He stepped on the line. Good night, game over. So they've got luck on their side. You know, you go to the Minnesota game. Justin Jefferson stretches the ball. It falls out of his hand, touchback. You know, all momentum shifting things, you know. And Big Mo has a way of going for you and against you. And I think the Rams are going to be jacked up. Uh, for this game on Sunday, especially if Cooper Cup's back in here. It's going to be another nail-biter. I agree with you. I think this is a very close game. I would not uh, lay the points with the Eagles. I will just tell you that. I think it's going to be a very close game. Um, a couple things. No, This is not a surprise, but no Fletcher Cox at practice, no nope. Marlon Tui-Pelotu at practice, and no Cam Jurgens. We, you know, we kind of expected all those kind of things right. just to confirm it. Uh, interestingly enough, the, the music choice for practice today to start off, Going yeah. back to Cali, LL Cool J. Oh, like yeah. That. Okay. Like that. <clears throat> that's some uh, Chip Kelly stuff right that there. That is some Chip Kelly stuff yeah. by, by Nick yeah. Sirianni. I like it. That's, Chip, that's Kelly, like it. Chip Kelly would always try to use a theme music that pertained to the upcoming road trip. <laughs> yep. You know, that that's that's straight out of Chip Kelly's playbook right there. Um, Chip did some interesting things. I, yeah, some things did. that were, were innovative and fun, and it's a shame. The it all got kind of lost in the sauce. Yeah, yeah the, the cards, uh, that you know, instead of calling in plays, he'd hold up a card. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah, it was it was an interesting time in Aaron. Glad it's over, thank goodness. Yeah. But um, yeah, so yeah, I, I can imagine the players are rocking it at today. Oh yeah, trying to get oh, some yeah. jacked up for what's to come. Yeah. All right. So then the part two is what's your vibe for the Phillies? You, if you want to take game uh, one, you want to take the series. Now we're later on. We're going to do our predictions, but just give me just kind of where you're what you're feeling right now. What, what your sports gut is telling you. Uh, well, in his last four regular season starts, Strider has owned the Philly, but they they worked him over good last year in the playoffs. And Strider's pitching at game one. Um, I like Strider going against the, the Phillies more so than I like Suarez going against the Braves. But the Phillies have to get one. They have to steal one. They cannot come back here down 0-2. They mm-hmm. cannot. Mm-hmm. They have to do exactly the same thing they did last year. Going to Atlanta, steal one, come back, and with these rabid fans here, try to ice Atlanta here. You know, although and Atlanta's had a decent measure of success this year in Philly, mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, the crowd here doesn't bother Atlanta. You know, it comes down to making plays. Who's pitchers? And I like the fact that you got Wheeler and Nola going what game two and three or three and four. Which one is it? You have Wheeler game two and game five, Nola game three, game, game six. Yeah. Uh, the way the way Nola's pitching uh, lately, and that means his last three starts. Yep. Um, and, and considering that there's some huge question marks over the uh, Braves pitching staff with Charlie Morton and Freed, you know, 
Free with um, the blister. Yep. Yeah, the blister. Um, I like the Phillies pitching matchup overall against Atlanta better. But it's hard to it's, man, that's hard to determine um who's gonna win this game. And Braves obviously led the majors and homers. The Phillies led the majors and homers since August. It, man, it's gonna be we, we might be looking at some softball contests in this series, man. I'm telling you. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. It is gonna be fun. Again, we'll give our we'll give our predictions how we see the series playing out, game one as well in a little bit. All right. So last night's game, Derek, it was an awful game. It was just just hideous destruction. Uh, the Bears score in their first five possessions. They're up 27 to three at halftime, and they went 40 to 20 in a in a non-competitive game, to say the least. Yeah. Interesting on a couple of fronts. One, does that do anything to change the way you look at the Eagles having to go to overtime to beat the Commanders? By the way, Washington now giving up 36 points per game, Derek, mm-hmm. from a defense. Jack Del Rio's squad not exactly lighting the world on fire. Um, and I think DJ Moore just scored another touchdown as we speak. Jeez, but, what a but game. Does it does it change the way you look at the Eagles win at all? Um no, um, the Eagles are, are finding ways to win. They're not dominating, but they're finding ways to win. And, I, and and I'll take that for right now as this team continues to try to gel, especially on defense. And, of course, divisional games are a lot different. I think Washington expended a lot of energy in that Eagles game and didn't have the juice to turn around, which they should have on a Thursday night at home. Mm. But they didn't. And the Bears, the Bears hadn't won a game in 347 days. Think about that. Three, so, you know, you can only kick a wounded animal so long before the wounded animal bites back. And Man. the Bears bit him last night. You know, last two games, if you go back to Sunday's game and uh, last night's game, Justin Fields has looked like an NFL quarterback finally. I yeah, mean, he has. Mm-hmm. He, he, he completed 80% of his passes against Denver's defense on Sunday. And the defense collapsed. And then last night he completed uh, only, only 51% of his passes, but he threw four touchdowns and no picks. The problem with Justin Fields is he's been sacked 20 times already in, in four in five games. Right. You know, this kid's taking a pounding. That offensive line is uh, its own worst enemy. The offensive line played much better last night, but it, it, it has to find a measure of consistency because if, I, if the Bears team that played the last two games, Sunday and last night, if they can consistently play like that, they're going to hurt a lot of people's feelings along the way. But, you know, you go back to the game prior to that um, Kansas City game, Justin Fields only completed, what was it, uh, 11 of 22 for 99 yards. Oh, my so God. The, 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 you know, he <laughs> his completion percentage is barely over 60%. But he's thrown – in his last three games, he's thrown nine touchdowns and only one interception. Right. So that's a sign of improvement. Um, and D.J. Moore, finally, they're on the same page. D.J. Moore had a career night last night. He did, and he's a big-time receiver. Like, to me, it was only a matter of time if he got competent quarterback play that he was going to start. Now, I I didn't expect to see what he did last night, but before he starts playing well, and he did. Look, I think Washington, either Jack Del Rio, who's the defensive coordinator, or Ron Rivera, or I don't think it'll be the enemy, but somebody's going to pay a price soon. Somebody's paying a price soon there, Derek, I'm telling you. I think I think if uh, this Washington season turns out to be a disaster, I think the enemy is going to be the next head coach after this season. Very they'll well put, be the case. And, and they'll be looking for a new defensive coordinator. Jack Del Rio at one time was one of the most respected defensive coordinators in the NFL. And his defense last year wasn't bad, but 
you know, that's that's a number that doesn't sit well with front office people giving up mm-hmm. 36 points a game through five games. Think about this, too. Man. Every eyeball around the NFL is on that game because it's the only game being played on Thursday night. Yep. It's 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 even more embarrassing. And Magic Johnson's tweeting out how unacceptable it is. Yep. <laughs> like, oh yep. boy, that is not a good sign, man. I'm telling you. And, you know, the surprising thing is this Washington defensive front, and I mean the front seven, they held the Eagles running attack to 104 yards. They gave up 178 last night to a Bears offense that is not a, a, a potent offensive run, a running team. You know, so I don't know what, what happened there, but they had the total collapse. Now, we'll say this, though. When I look at Sam Howell, you know, it was, it was nice to get an up-close look at him against the Eagles. I saw him drop some passes in, in, in small windows last night. Sam Howell is going to be a good quarterback. You know, we kept talking about who is this Sam Howell. I tell you what, that kid's going to be a nice quarterback, nice arm. There was one play in the second half. He lobbed one over the top of two defenders right into the basket of the receiver along the sideline, mm-hmm. a narrow window, a perfect ball. You can't throw a ball more perfect than that. And I saw him make some throws in tight windows. Sam Howell is going to be a good quarterback. I think he has the right offensive mind uh, grooming him now in Eric B. Enemy. Uh, it's just that they've got to get – some better pieces around them. They yep. do. Yep. And it they starts do. with a head coach, probably. Oh, yeah. And, and again, <clears throat> inherited. They were inherited. That's for sure. Uh, we lost an all-timer last night. Yesterday, Derek Dick Butkus passed away. Um, I, I For me, and I, I know some, we might have some young folks who have no idea who Dick, but- Dick Butkus was. He retired, you know, before I even had any idea what football was. So, yeah. but when I think about intimidation, someone who can affect your head, you know, like just you being scared. I think, I think Butkus, I think Lawrence Taylor, there's other guys, obviously Jack Lambert, whatever, but Butkus is right there in the front of the line. When you think about intimidating players on the field, Butkus was menacing, um, borderline dirty at times, but he was one of the most feared players in all the NFL. I mean, this guy, you know, for an eight-time Pro Bowler, five-time first-team All-Pro, two-time Defensive Player of the Year, he was nasty. And growing up in the Midwest, obviously, I got to see him play quite a bit when they would play against Green Bay. Um, but, man, I tell you what, when you talk about a player who struck fear into the opposition, that was Dick Butkus. Uh, big guy, rangy, uh, stuffed the run, uh, always has something going, a little extracurricular activity after the play. Um and of course, you know, then after after his football career, you know, he had a little claim to fame. He was in, in those old Miller Lite commercials. He was great. They were yeah, so he good. Was, he was great in those Miller Lite commercials. Yeah. But no question, Pro Football Hall of Famer, rightfully so. Uh, man, he was along the lines of those guys like Jack Lambert, you know, guys like that. Man, just nasty dudes. And back then, the you know, um, um, back then the rules were a little bit more lenient. Oh, a little. Yes. Just a little bit more lenient. I mean, you could clothesline people, horse collar, do whatever you want. You know, buckets would get up and and give somebody an extra shot to the chops, Mm -hmm. step on them. He was like, you know, we always talk about Conrad Dobler of the old St. Louis Cardinals being one of the dirtiest offensive linemen that ever played the game. You know, guys like did buckets, they used every physical and psychological advantage they could to gain an upper hand on the opposition. And it worked in that era because, You know, Buckus, Buck, guys like Buckus and Lambert couldn't play in today's football. It would be like touch football for them. I do but, wonder, like, and great yeah. comments from Anthony, from Christie. I do wonder, like, 
but because I think about some some old Eagles, like how how effective do you think Dawkins would be in this day and age? Oh, you know, like I definitely wow. think he could play. I'm not saying he couldn't play in the NFL, right, right, but right. but I man, it's so different now. And, you know, and Doc was a guy who led with his head a lot. Yeah, he did. And, and, and you could do it then. It wasn't. Yeah. You know, like I think back to guys like Andre Waters and Wes Hopkins. I don't know that they were even be in the league. I think Dawkins was in that era where he could have made the transformation and still been as dominant as he was. Yeah. It would have taken away some of his persona in terms of – because Dawkins would tell you he would try to get inside players' heads. And yeah. he used that with his by doing that with his physicality. You know, and you could tell receivers would come over the middle and they were looking to find out where Brian Dawkins was. You know, he would have to alter his – his play. And you know what? You know, Kwan is right. Doc would probably be flagged every series, but you know, eventually he would get it right. He would alter it and just, and be just as menacing as he was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I mean, I think those guys were just that man, they were different and they, they came up in a different era. So it is, it's very, very different, you know, from, from the way it is now. And these guys look, I think it's hard. I think it's hard to be a defensive player, period. I mean, you can't even use your hands. No, really anymore. No. And anything that's like borderline, Derek, where the where the receiver and the defensive back are jockeying, it almost always goes against the defensive player in terms of oh my goodness. defensive backs. Look at look at players like Jack Tatum, Ronnie Lott, Rod Woodson. Um, they would lose their minds trying to play in today's football because that was a part of their game. As good as they were, part of their game was physically assaulting the opposition. Right. You know, because the rules were so lenient. Nowadays, they probably lose their mind. I don't even know if they would be pro bowlers. I mean, Hall of Famers mm-hmm. if they had to play in today's game. I mean, Isn't that the trade-off? Like, it's an interesting trade-off because in, in part, you look at it and you say, like, some of those older guys are like, man, I wish I was making the money that these guys were making today. I don't I don't doubt that. But the other part right. is you have to ask yourself, A, would I have been able to play? And, and B, how effective yeah. would I be? Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. it's tough. It's tough. Like, I yeah. feel bad for guys who were – whose games totally translate from back in the day to now because they didn't make the kind of money. But that's just, you know, that's the luck of the draw, man. Um, the, the, the funny thing is, Rob, uh, also, um, I'm surprised that it took the NFL as long as it did to alter the rules the way they did. Um, but I think they went from one extreme to the other because now defensive backs are at a severe disadvantage. I mean, you look at every every play that's called a pass interference. Half of the time, it's not called half of the time it is. The referees still haven't gotten it right 100% what is pass interference and what isn't. Yeah. You know, and it's a shame because DBs, DBs now are like the sacrificial lambs. You know, whereas the running backs are getting, you know, screwed over money-wise, DBs consistently get get get, get worked over because they're trying to make a play. You can't. You can't touch them beyond five yards. You can't clutch, clutch and grab anymore. Right. And, you know, they don't teach DBs anymore to turn around and look at the ball at the college level or the pros. Once a receiver gets past the DB, he's just trying to haul butt to catch up to the wide receiver. The wide receivers have perfected the art of if a ball is underthrown, stop and, and go up with the theatrics. And go back into the guy. There you go. Exactly. And, and it works nine times out of 10. You know, it, it's something that's now put in the playbooks, offensive playbooks. I know. When we're, when we're in a third and long or a second and long situation, just go deep. Let's see yep. if we can get the call. And it and works. We'll throw, we'll throw it a little short. Yeah, you know? Sills makes a good point. The the 65 draft uh, was, uh, was Sayers and Butkus. Mm. 
you know, one of the all-time great drafts in the history uh, of, of football, but they were awful during really both of their tenures. I mean, they were this they were bad, bad football teams during. I think Hallis was still the coach for for some of it, but I mean, that's unbelievable, man, that they only had two winning seasons. But it's true, it is true. Uh, I've shared I've shared this with you many times before. Gail Sayers will always be one of my top three running backs yep. uh, of all time, simply because of this. And it's a shame his career got short cut short because of a knee, devastating knee injury. Yeah, but that man, you know, he, Gail Sayers played in an era where there was no domes. Yep. He played out in the mud, the ice. That man could stop and cut on a dime. It didn't make a difference what kind of surface it was. Um, I've never seen a player be able to do that, to be able to cut and move. The, he wasn't the biggest back, but he was the shiftiest back of his era. You know, that was, he was he was Barry Sanders before Barry Sanders. Yeah, absolutely. And, absolutely. And Gail Sayers, what he could do on a, on a nasty field was so impressive just yeah. watching him play. Yeah. All right, let's get a timeout. Let's come back. I uh, can't wait to talk to Scott Fransky. He is, for, for my money, pound for pound, the best play-by-play voice in radio. Uh, So we will talk to Scott when we come back about this Phillies Braves NLDS kicking off tomorrow night at 6.07. Derek Gunn, Rob Ellis, hanging out with you on this Friday. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. All right, let me tell you about Bravo Pizza of Havertown. They've been family-owned since 1985. I've been going there since I was a kid. Uh, They're just the, The food selection there is unbelievable. Pizza, pasta, sandwiches, wraps, wings, salads. In fact, 20 different styles of pizza. They have the, you name it, they'll make it, specialized pizza your way. And, and to me, um, you know, you look at a, at, a, at, a, at a restaurant, any kind of business, they're also community, community oriented. And Bravo Pizza of Havertown fundraisers for charities, for schools, for little leagues where the proceeds go to those organizations. You can follow them at the Bravo of on Instagram and Facebook for daily specials and promotions. They're located at 1305 Westchester Pike in the Manoa Shopping Center in Havertown, 1305 Westchester Pike, Manoa Shopping Center, Havertown. Give them a call right now, 610-446-3810, 610-446-3810. Here's a little more on Bravo Pizza of Havertown. I remember getting my heart broken when they lost the Super Bowl in 2004. We were big Eagles fans. We moved to South Philly because of the Eagles. When they won, we went straight to Broad Street and uh, everybody was going nuts over there. And it was just a, a memory that you'll never forget. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers, go for the cheers, go for the hit and the hits, go for the stakes and the stakes, go to get your parlay on, go to get your party on, go for the scene, go for the screens, go for the gallery, go for the win, go to ocean, visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Staffing is not easy, but that's what we do every day, all day. The key to our success is storytelling, asking the right questions to find the right people. Hi, I'm Gary Kane, president of Kane Partners. We want to be your staffing partner. Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. So Good Now helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you at Rafferty Subaru. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles We're back. Happy Friday, everybody. We appreciate you hanging out with us. I am Rob Ellis. He's Derek Gunn. We are Sports Take. And Derek, we the countdown is on. I gave you the countdown off the top of the show. Uh, yes, 31 hours and 7 minutes off the top of the show. But who's counting until the Phillies and the Braves match up again in the NLDS? And we thought, you know, who better to talk to about this matchup than the man himself. You could hear him locally on 94 WIP uh, Phillies radio network. He does an amazing job calling the Phillies and has for a very long time. Scott Bransky. Scott, welcome to the show. How are you? What's up, man? Great, guys. How are we doing? Good Scott, to see you, bro. Pumped up, man. Very excited. You know, I'm, I'm all, tonight's going to be a struggle. Just kind of like, let's go, let's go, let's go. Now, I'm assuming you're in Atlanta already. Yep. Um, if so, walk me through what, what today looks like for you in terms of like prep versus they go get some air. Let me play some golf, whatever. How, how does how does today look for you? How's it line up? Well, they started early um, because uh, I crashed early last night after the previous night went a little bit long. Um, <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, I've been up. I've done a lot of prep work uh, going through the brave stuff, organizing notes and whatnot. And um, there's a workout later today uh, at Truist Park and uh, some media availability. So we'll all head out there and kind of take in some of the sites and, and um, basically pass some time and uh, maybe get some dinner tonight. Just chill out and relax. Try to relax. Yep. Hey, Scott, is it possible this Phillies team is even looser than last year's team? I mean, not only do they go about their business, but man, it's like they had a whole new element of fun when they're rooting for each other, rounding the basements, the enthusiasm they, they exhibit. Is it possible? Yeah, I mean, they were pretty loose last year, too. I mean, they were yeah. having fun. I mean, winning winning makes everybody, you know, it's fun, right? And um, and I think that sort of, you know, uh, breeds in and of itself, you know. It, 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 it kind of amps up everybody's energy. Yeah. Um, and I do think when, when players are loose, they probably play their best. I mean, every, every player is different, and every person is different with how they handle things mentally. And some people um, – 
you know, maybe if they have a certain task, uh, they need to be really focused and on task. And, you know, some of the distractions, mm-hmm. uh, you know, people, you know, joking and laughing around them uh, doesn't go so well. But I, I do think these guys uh, know what it takes. I think, um, you know, they're, they feel like they're playing some of their best baseball of the year right now. And, um, and so, yeah, they, I think they're pretty, pretty loose and uh, pretty excited about this. Mm. Scott, what you, this year they they go eight and uh, Atlanta takes the series eight games to, to five here in the 13 that they played. Uh, but, you know, they obviously have in the back of their mind what happened last year and how they were able to take them out in the NLDS. So and, and those games, by the way, eight of those losses, a bunch of them were relatively close. H- how do you view this thing? How do you think they're what do you think the Phillies mindset is knowing, look, this is a juggernaut team, but they were a juggernaut last year and the Phillies took them out. Yeah, I mean, it was exactly the same spread in terms of uh, games back. I mean, they were 14 games back last year. Each team got three more wins this year. And, um, uh, you know, the Braves have been incredibly consistent all season long uh, from start to finish. The Phillies were not. I mean, the first two months, they just were kind of uh, sort of wandering through the woods, if you will, and uh, uh, really obviously put it together in the month of June and and, uh, kind of turned it on at the end. So, um, but I, I think they feel like, you know, the, the, the results, um, you know, whatever, a five and eight record, I, I don't think that's really in their mind. I think what they come away with is knowing the Braves are really good. They're going to have to play well to beat them, but that they can, that they're capable of doing mm-hmm. that. And they're mm-hmm. capable of doing that three out of five nights, which um, is what it's going to take. Um, it won't be easy. They're going to see Strider twice, um, you know, and uh, they're going to have, you know, probably see Freed twice if his, you know, if the blistered thing is all right. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you mentioned, uh, Rob, how some of those games were close. You know, like in what was it, the middle of September, the, the Braves came in when they clinched. They won yeah. three out of four. They won three out of four at Citizens Bank Park. Yeah. The Phillies had two major comebacks. They, they didn't hold the leads, but they had major comebacks in those games. And I think those are the kinds of things that both sides remember. I mean, the Braves – you listen to the Braves people and they understand what a, what a powerful team the Phillies can be when they're on. And um, I think they, you know, I don't want to say they fear them, but um, uh, you know, they, they, they certainly respect them for what they're capable of doing. Scott, we always talk about uh, lengthy layoffs, how they can affect teams in football. You think, do you think the uh, Braves having this layoff affects them while the Phillies have had the the two game series? um, Do you think that could play into their advantage going down there as well? I mean, it can. Um, yeah. I, I don't know that it will. The Braves, you know, felt like maybe there was some of that last year. Um, and obviously they clinched really, really early and have just been kind of didn't have a whole lot to play for. I mean, they even clinched the best record fairly early. So yeah. um, I know they've tried to do some different things this week and staging different uh, sort of simulated games. I know they got Max Freed out for five innings the other day. Uh, last night they were playing uh, their Triple A team uh, mm. at, Tru- at at Truist Park. Uh, I know the Phillies flew in yesterday, and uh, they had to wait to unload all their bags until the Triple A club was out of the out of the uh, clubhouse yeah. or whatever. So psychological um, ploy. <laughs> well, no, I just think in one of those things that was the way it, it timed out. I mean, yeah. Um, and and uh, but I do think you know the Braves are trying different ways to see if they can keep players sharp. But I mean. Mm. You know, there's no there's no amount of exhibition at bats that are going to get guys pumped up for what you know what is tomorrow. They're either going to be pumped up or they're not. Um, you know, so I don't know. We'll see if it if it hurts. I don't know. I don't know how you would quantify that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. 
That I mean, that's a tough thing. Atlanta's been so good at jumping on teams, Scott, in the first inning too. I mean, their their first inning offensive numbers are unbelievable. I mean, not surprising how talented they are offensively, but it's a real key is you know, and it's going to be for Ranger, which we'll get into in a second here, is just keeping them at bay early, I think, and then that keeps the crowd out of it and all those all those other things. But let me ask you about that. Rob announces that it is Ranger Suarez, and where's the bait? Whether it was going to be Suarez, Sanchez, or or Walker, I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you think that was the, the the right choice, and how do you think he'll be? Uh, because it's been a weird year for him this year, for sure. Yeah, it has been a weird year, but um, he's in the past he's fared pretty well against some of the guys in this lineup. Um, there's not many. I mean, you look at Acuna's numbers head to head. Hits Wheeler pretty well. Hits Nola very well. Doesn't hit Ranger much, or hasn't mm-hmm. um, for whatever reason. Um, so uh, it, you know the Braves are incredible. They were. Inc- incredibly dangerous against left-handed pitching this year. Um, but I don't think Walker was a real consideration uh, to start this game one. I think it was either going to be Ranger. I mean, Sanchez would have been a real outside the box mm-hmm. kind of pick, uh, but one that maybe, you know, maybe you could uh, make the case for, but, um, but no, I, I do think that Ranger is the right choice. Um, it makes all the sense in the world. He's been in that exact same spot before a year ago, game one on the road, truest park. And, um, you know, didn't pitch great, but um, the Phillies won that game. So why not run it back? Absolutely. I had jokingly said to Rob yesterday, I would not want to sit across the table from Suarez in a poker game. I think, you know, you would he, he would never tip his hand. You don't know what emotions he's going through. I think he handles the big moments, national spotlight emotions, as well as anybody could be expected. He, he, you see. I don't think his demeanor ever changes. You know better than I do because you're with these guys from spring training through the end, of course. Am I accurate in saying this? How would you categorize him? Yeah, I would say that's spot on. I mean, um, he's always been a guy that um, that slows things down. And, um, you know, you talk about those players. uh, It's a weird cliche, but they don't have a heartbeat. Um, I think the idea is that it's a nice, slow, steady heartbeat at all times. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that's one of the things about playoff baseball uh, that, you know, really shows up is the players that can slow things down, Uh, the players that can deal with the fact that, hey, the Braves, they're one of the great first inning offenses ever. Um, They're going to put points up and it might happen in the first. And, And what you have to be able to do is mentally not lose sight of what it is that makes you successful and not panic know that there's game left know that there's opportunity left and um, I think the players that do that the best are the ones that can really slow things down in their mind and not let it you know sort of get out of hand if you will yeah Mm -hmm. makes sense Scott I think one of the most impressive things about this team there's obviously the big boys and there's there's Harper and there's Schwarber and you know etc but what they've gotten out of Rojas and Pache and and even for, for that matter when it comes to the younger guys with Stott and and Bohm I think you know that that to me in addition to I think they're a little bit more athletic and certainly they they can throw a better defense at you is what that separates I, this year and we'll see how far they go but this year from last year at least and I think it's one of the reasons why people have such optimism I think to beat the Braves they're going to need contributions from those type guys that you mentioned mm-hmm. um I, I don't think there's any question that this team runs on Bryce Harper and, and his mm-hmm. heroics and certainly did last year in the postseason. But um, 
But you know, remember, remember back last season, Harper was so good. He overshadowed a, an unbelievable October for Reese Hoskins and they don't have him this year. Um, and, um, and, you know, last year, Reese, Reese hit the big home run against Strider, but it was Stott who had a big double to get it started, um, you know, to drive in the first run of the game. Uh, I, I just think that those, those guys, you know, whether it's Marsh or Stott or Bohm, uh, they're going to be called on in big spots because the Braves are going to take their chances with those guys as opposed to Harper. Um, if they can work around Harper, they're going to. And um, if they have that opportunity, that means, you know, Alec Bohm is likely to hit behind him most every day. Um, it might hit in front of him if Freed's on the bump. Um, but I, I do think um, I, I think it's going to come down largely to, to get – and I don't mean MVP, you know, four homers in five games kind of thing. I just mean when you get your one shot, you got to chip in. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to drive in that runner from second with two outs and, and tack on a run or, or get a run closer or whatever the case might be. Aaron Nola's last three starts have been exactly what we had hoped to see from him all season long. What do you think clicked for him all of a sudden? Well, he did make a little bit of a mechanical tweak, which is really kind of strange. Um, he felt like he was opening up a little bit, and they kind of went through some of the video, and they discovered, <laughs> believe it or not, he was looking. There's a The pitch timer is on the back wall, you know, behind the, the, the batter, and there's one on the left and one on the right. He was always looking at the one on the third base side, and it led for his body to get a little too far open. So Caleb said, hey, let's give something a try. Caleb Cotham, he said, I want you doing nothing but looking at the one on the other side, the first wow. base side. Mm. And it got his body more closed and, and squared up with the plate. And he felt like his alignment has been much better since then. Um, that, I think, uh, maybe has helped. Uh, he seems like, you know, he seems like he's up on top of the ball more. And, and everything works from there for Nola because he's at his best when his sinker is down. Uh, when his when his changeup is down, mm-hmm. uh, and, and when his curveball is down, and I think one, you know, you talk to pitchers a lot of times, one leads to the other. If you're on top of the baseball and if you're thinking down with one pitch, it ends up being good for other pitches too that that, that you work down in the zone. So, um, you know, Aaron, very encouraging the last few times out. Um, and I, you know, certainly hope he can keep it together. Uh, you know, keep it because they're going to need him. I mean, if you're going to if you're going to beat the Braves, you have to have some semblance of starting pitching. And so mm-hmm. Wheeler and Nola are going to be huge. I'm, I'm fascinated by the it's the little tweaks, you know. And and we think yeah. with major leaguers, they're just locked in, and they don't. No, I mean they're human, and then and, and weird things are going to distract you sometimes. That's that's really interesting, Scott. And and kudos to Caleb Coffin for picking up on that too. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's it's part of the process, right, for a player and a coach uh, to keep the dialogue open and say, what's what are you feeling? Um, because it's the player that's out there on the mound feeling it, and then you got to come up with uh, you know ideas for solutions. And uh, this seems like a weird one, but uh, apparently, it's uh, they believe it's had uh, a you know a big been a big reason for his uh, turnaround. That's awesome. Do, do you uh, do you like the the three out of five format in the second round more so than the, the traditional four out of seven? I think you know some some ways teams get cheated out of that second round. I understand yeah. the first round being quick, and I understand you know baseball is doing everything they can to condense more so than expand. Do you like the three out of five uh, format in the second round? Uh, I guess I I don't I don't love it, but um, I. I 
I, you know, I said this week, um, and and not just because all four wildcard series were two game sweeps, mm -hmm. but um, it's really easy to lose two baseball games yeah. in a row. Mm -hmm. And um, I just think they're going to have to, at some point, consider the idea of um, shortening the regular season and, and, and giving these earlier rounds uh, sort of the weight that they deserve. I, I just, again, I, I, it, it feels so sudden death sometimes. And, yeah. uh, and uh, you know, I mean, I, I don't know, Tampa won 99 games for a reason. It's because they're good. Um, now maybe fans are just like, all right, that's the way it is. Like, let's, you know, get, it'll lead to more upsets and things like that. Maybe that's what fans prefer. I just feel like sometimes for a team, it's like, wow, we just grinded away throughout September and, and fought and fought, and, you know, all this stuff. And then we're done in two days, it's like 48 hours, you're gone. It's over. Yeah. Um, it's, it's weird. And, I, and you know, um, I don't, I don't know, you know, even this series, um, a lot of people say maybe they should reseed, you know, maybe, maybe it'd be better if they reseeded and because, uh, you know, maybe the Braves are going to get bounced out in three days. Right. Right. They want 104 games this year and they could go in three days. And look at last year. You know, I mean, who knows? We'll yeah. see. Yeah. It's part of the beauty, I guess. Um, I got to ask you about Rob Thompson, because not only do I think he pushed every right button in the Marlins series, uh, you know, Pache obviously paid off and, and left, et cetera, but, he just so gets this group, Scott. I, it's kind of like Charlie Manuel. Sometimes it, it's it's not something you can quantify necessarily with like moves or something like that, but he just seems to be the perfect fit for this group. Do you get that same sense with him? Uh, you know, he's a perfect fit for players. Um, he's a smart guy. He's a smart baseball man. He wouldn't have been in this game for 30 years or whatever it is. He's been been on a bench and on a major league staff and all that. Uh, if he wasn't really good with the – sort of the X's and O's, if you will, of baseball. He understands analytics. He understands all the things. He asks all the right questions when it comes to analytics. Um, he doesn't blindly follow them. He wants answers. He wants he wants the backstory for why a number is what it is before he's going to trust it wholeheartedly. You know, kind of the trust and trust but verify, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I, I think why he's so good for players is he is so in tune with talking with them. And, and making sure that they're comfortable with, with their assignment and comfortable with their role and comfortable with the next day's lineup. And, I, you know, for a player, little things go a long way. And players just, they want to know, right? Players can go off and prepare the way they need to prepare, um, whether it's in the cage or on the field or whatever sport it is. Um, but they just want to know where and when they're going to be needed and what, you know, what they're going to be asked to do. And then they can go do the work to prepare. And I, I just think the players uh, feel like um, he's so good at communicating. Uh, he's so good at staying in touch with them. Um, and he's so good at understanding. Scott? Will mean for the rest of the, the room. Okay. Right? Um, if you take a player out of the lineup, how does this affect everyone else? Right. Right. Um, because the, all those guys are friends together, right? Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. If I do something to slight a particular player, well, 
I'm going to slight some others as well. Right. So I think he has a really good sense and a knack for all of that stuff. I think a good example of that is left field. But like, and, and it helps that Marsh is a team guy. He's the ultimate team guy. Right. But he very clearly communicated what the situation was. Like if we get a righty that comes in there, be red or a, excuse me, a lefty a righty that comes in, you're probably going to be put into the game. And we saw that in game one. Like I, 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 and again, I know that goes on around baseball, but maybe not quite as, as, as clear as you're emphasizing it here with Rob and, and Therefore, you got a happy bunch in there, Scott, that pulls for each other. Yeah, I mean, there's other, you know, there have been managers that are kind of hands off and and, um, and and they let players do what they do. I mean, now, don't get me wrong. Um, he's got help in the clubhouse. I mean, I think we've all heard the story. If, you, if you've been around Philadelphia for any bit of time, we've all heard the stories about how in 93, Jim Fergosi could worry about the team right. uh, and, and, and the, you know, the, the lineups and all this other stuff because he knew he had Darren Dalton. Uh, behind him in the clubhouse as a team leader. And and Topper's got that. He's got team leaders. Um, he's got quite a few. I mean, I think it starts with Schwarber um, and, and kind of trickles down from there. But um, I think that's a big comfort for a manager. And, and uh, it helps a manager to know that you got a guy like Schwarber in your corner. Um, and, uh, and, and then other players follow suit because everybody gravitates towards a guy like Kyle. Scott, you're in the booth with this team every night. You're in every major league park there is to see. Do you do you get caught up in, in the energy that this Phillies fan base generates, especially in a playoff environment? I mean, oh, because yeah. people talk about a second to none in the majors. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing. I, you know, trust me, it'll be loud uh, tomorrow night in, in mm-hmm. Atlanta, um, but it, it just won't be exactly the same. Um, for whatever reason, I you know it could be anything from the way the ballpark is constructed to how loud the fans are to how close they are to the action, all these different things. But uh, but uh, it's pretty impressive. I mean, uh, uh, and you know any any player will tell you uh, it's a tough place to come in and play. Um, the fans are really in tune with um, players' mistakes, if you will, um, and they know how to kind of maybe latch onto that and, and, and sort of highlight that. I mean, think about it, you know, pitch again, that's one of the things about playoff baseball that sort of defy the analytics of it all. Right. Because analytics are, are supposed to tell you what will happen over 162 games. And a lot of times they do, Mm -hmm. but they're not going to tell you what's going to happen in five games with the crowd screaming down your throat. And um, you make a mistake, you know, slider, you can't get it, you keep pulling it and it's down and in. Well, the, you got to try it again. And I got to try it again. And I got to try it. And it's not working and it's not working. And with each pitch, the crowd gets louder and louder and louder and the pressure builds and it mounts. And these are human beings and, you know, fear might take over who knows what else fear of failure, failure, fear of whatever. Um, and, and then all of a sudden it's a, it's a very, very human game in that moment. And the crowd's very much a part of that. Yeah. No mm. question. Look, Scott, you were here through 07 through 11 last year, and, but you mentioned right off the top, you know, you were, you may be slightly busy the other night with the celebration. It may have, may have, you know, taken you a little bit later into the night. Uh, does it ever get commonplace? I mean, I, I, do, you, do you just don't pinch yourself when you're in the middle of something like that, the celebrations or the big calls like you had on the Stott home run, you know, whatever. I mean, does that stuff still register or, or is it just kind of, man, I've been doing it for so long, it doesn't? No, it's I think it's something that we all 
uh, all of us in the booth try to uh, make sure that we never take it for granted because, um, you know, we've got a lot of friends of ours across the industry who uh, maybe aren't going there. Um, we, we ourselves spent 11 years not getting there. Um, mm. I, I think maybe early on, I, maybe I did take it for granted, but, uh, but I, not this time. I mean, I, I, there's no, there's, I mean, I try to take advantage of everything and every moment that there is, every moment that we're given, um, you know, just try to embrace it and, and have fun and, and make sure I pay attention so that I can remember it later on in life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm glad you said that because I, I wanted to ask you this before. Give me one aspect of what you do that you enjoy more so than anything else, whether it's the prep, the calling the game, getting up close and personal with the players, whatever it may be. What's the one thing that you enjoy the most? Uh, I... You know, believe it or not, I said this um, uh, when I got hired in my interview with the Phillies. They asked me a pretty similar question. And the thing that I liked the most about it was I I said the first inning and the ninth inning. Mm. Um, And I still very much feel that way. I mean, I know a lot of stuff happens all throughout the ballgame, but um, there's still something awesome about starting the game and and getting it underway. And um, there's there's so much greatness that happens in the ninth too. So um, whether you're down, you're still hopeful, right? Um, it, it, there's energy and, and that kind of stuff. So, you know, uh, but either that or now at a different stage of my life, you know, kind of sharing some of this stuff with my family and my kids. Mm. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, That's uh, awesome, uh, oh, oh, will we have you LA and stocker on, on the road here, Scott, what do we have? Uh, yeah. Uh, LA stock, uh, Tom McCarthy, um, and Greg Murphy, the whole, the whole awesome. crew, we're all, we're all packing into the booth here. Uh, <laughs> we have a nice, we have a nice large booth here at Truist. So it works out. That's good. You got, That's you good. got LA to make the trip. Oh, oh boy. yeah. He was, yeah, he was barking all day yesterday about flying. <laughs> we got him down here. Oh, I can imagine. Uh, well, hopefully uh, the game will get off right on time at 6.07 tomorrow. You got it. I, you guys are sticklers for that, Scott. I know yep. that. Yeah, uh, Scott, we appreciate it, man. We're looking forward to your uh, your call tomorrow night throughout this hopefully long run. But we appreciate yep. your time, Scott. Thanks. You bet. Talk, talk to you soon. Take care, Take Scott. Care. All right. That is Scott Fransky, Philly's radio play-by-play voice. Uh, I, 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 you know, Derek, I, I'm always appreciative of our guests, but I mean, I, I truly believe he is the best in the business. You, you listen to his I description, emotion. yeah, and he rises to the moment with big yeah. plays, and oh man, he's awesome. He is awesome. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. It doesn't, he makes it fun. doesn't miss anything. You know, when you're on the no. road, it makes it makes listening to to a call of a baseball game that much more enjoyable because what you can't see, you don't miss listening to in terms of details. You're right on with that. You are right on. All right, so we go from Scott Fransky to the man himself, Ray Didinger. Hall of yes, Famer, Hall. baby. Hall of Famer. So let's get a quick one in. We'll come back. We'll set our sights on the Eagles and the Rams and everything that's going on the first four weeks with the Birds with Ray Diddy. He's Derek Gunn. I'm Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. Let me tell you about Jim Murray and Principal Financial Group because knowing who to trust with your finances is critical and it's challenging at the same time, right? So you got to get it right. And I found the right person, and I want you to have that right person as well. Whether it's retirement planning, 401k review, insurance review, you might have a small business, you're trying to get your employee benefits off the ground. That's another resource that Jim can help you with. Personally, I've entrusted my IRA, my 401k rollover to Jim, 
and I couldn't be any happier. You will be as well. Give him a call. 610-996-4751. 610-996-4751. Or you could reach out to him via email. Murray, M-U-R-R-A-Y, dot Jim at principal.com. That's Murray, dot Jim at principal.com. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Staffing is not easy, but that's what we do every day, all day. The key to our success is storytelling, asking the right questions to find the right people. Hi, I'm Gary Kane, president of Kane Partners. We want to be your staffing partner. Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. Soga now helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student-athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you at Rafferty Subaru. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Back on a Friday. Very exciting sports weekend for sure. We have Phillies baseball tomorrow. Game one of the NLDS between the Phillies and the Braves. And then Sunday, of course, the Eagles and the Rams, birds 4-0 and start. We keep the gate great, easy for me to say, guests rolling, Derek Gunn, and I'll get my tongue in place here. Uh, and we are joined by the Hall of Famer himself, Mr. Ray Dittinger. Ray, first Ray! Off, happy Friday, Ray. Good to see you as always, my man. Um, and I, I want to let guys. everybody know, uh, you're a phenomenal book, One Last Read. It's now out on paper. Yeah. You, you got to show it to them, right there. There you go. Look at that handsome mug. You got to get that thing, man. You got to get that bad boy. Also, Ray, 
and his old radio partner Glenn Mack now will host a sports movie. How about cool is this? A sports movie night at the Players Club of Swarthmore, Tuesday, November 7th. They're going to show scenes from iconic sports movies and then discuss how the movies were made, how they were cast, behind the scenes stuff. Awesome, awesome stuff. Tickets are now on sale. Players Club of Swarthmore's website. So that's that. I love that, Ray. That is so awesome, man. Yeah, it's a, it's a fun night. I mean, Glenn and I have done them before. You know, we did the book, the ultimate book of sports movies, I guess it's about nine, 10 years ago, where we picked what we thought were the 100 greatest sports movies of all time. Mm-hmm. And out of that, we decided to start trying to do some talks and things about this general topic because everybody loves, everybody has a favorite sports movie. Everybody mm-hmm. loves to talk mm-hmm. about sports. And so we decided to, to test it out in the theater and just see how many people would show up. And it was really popular. So we've, we did several of them. And then we just did one about six weeks ago at the Bryn Mawr Film Institute and um, filled the place. And we had a great night. Wow. So, wow. So, they, so the Players Club of Swarthmore, Glenn, Glenn's part of that organization. He's done a few plays there and all. They, uh, they came up with the idea of us bringing, bringing sports movie night to – to their theater. So, um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. November 7th, uh, tickets are now on sale. So if folks want to come out and, and have fun checking out some very famous scenes from great sports movies over the years and then just talking about them and how the movies were made and all that kind of stuff, it makes for a real fun evening. How, how, did, how did you go about knowing so much about how movies are made, the behind-the-scenes mechanisms of, of how movies are put together? What did you have to do to get entrenched in that? A lot of research. I mean, when we just when we came up with the idea of doing the book, um, we, you know, Glenn's Glenn's a former reporter. I'm a former reporter. So we're by nature researchers. And so we just read everything we could about the making of these movies, how they were put together, what went right, what went wrong. Um, You know, how certain movies that nobody had any expectations for suddenly became enormously successful. You know, Rocky being a classic case in point. I mean, you know, Rocky was made on a shoestring budget. It was shot in 30 days uh, and it became won the Oscar for Best Picture. Uh, and it has spawned, you know, six sequels plus now the whole Creed series. Uh, it's that that's it's the sports movies thing is a, just a fascinating subject. I mean, and, and little, little bits of trivia that go in there that people don't know about that um, that make it even better. I'll give you one example. One of the movies that we're going to show a scene from, and we've done this every time, is Hoosiers, which is really one of the best sports movies ever made for sure. Uh, And people are always shocked when we tell the audience that when they originally got got the movie together and cast the movie, Gene Hackman was not supposed to be the coach. Mm. Isn't that amazing? I mean, when you think about Hoosiers... It's hard to imagine it without Gene Hackman. I mean, yeah. it's, 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 I think it's one of his greatest roles in a great career. Originally, that coach uh, of the team was supposed to be Jack Nicholson. Wow. Wow. And, and now, uh, and then there, there came a conflict. The shoot schedule got pushed back. He had another movie to make. He had to make a decision. He decided to make the other movie. He walked away from this one. And at the last minute, they went out and uh, they contacted Gene Hackman. He came in and knocked it out of the park. Now, you think back on Hoosiers, and and look, I love Jack Nicholson. I do. I think he's a great actor. But you put mm-hmm. Jack Nicholson in that role as Coach Dale, it's a totally different movie. I think. Yeah, yeah. 
That's that's amazing. I I love to. I and I give you guys props for this. You, you also did some sort of obscure ones. You 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 made it a point. To, not everyone is the is the natural or or the you know, the, all the home runs that we know about. You know what I mean? Like you right. also worked in a lot of other like. Yeah, you know, I always think about like the fish that save Pittsburgh and the weird quirky ones too yeah, when it comes to yeah. sports movies. You know what I mean? Like, so I love the fact that you guys really, really did mix it up well. I, I will say. Yeah, um, we did. We we ranked the movies one through one hundred, and yeah. Fish That Saved Pittsburgh was actually number one hundred. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the fact is, the fact is, neither Glenn or I really liked it that much, to yeah. be honest with you. Yeah. But we found out in the course of interviewing athletes and people around sports which we did for doing the book donovan mcnab told us that was his favorite sports movie and so just for that reason alone yeah. we had to get it in the book yeah I, i'm biased uh, it had dr right. j in it that's all i needed when i was a kid and, and the rest is history so all right all right i got two quick questions in one right first of all did my favorite sports movie north dallas 40 make the top 100 and number two give me your top three all-time favorite sports movies um, to answer your first question first, uh, North Dallas 40 absolutely made the book. Great movie. Yes. Uh, yes. It was, one of, was one of our top 10. Yes. Uh, I think if I'm not mistaken, it was number, I think it was number 10. I think it was number 10 out of the hundred. Okay. Yeah. We both liked it a lot. Um, yeah. I think there was an enormous amount of truth yes. in that movie, uh, about what pro football is like, uh, what the, what the player's experience is like. Um, the cynicism of the front mm -hmm. office and how yep. the how the corporation kind of runs everything, and the players are just sort of pawns on the board. Yep. Um, I mean, that is very real, uh, and there, I think it's the only sports movie I can think of that dealt with that part of the story that honestly. Yep, so, Peter yeah. Jett. Yep. So and, and you know, and Nick Nolte, Nick Nolte was terrific. Yes. Um, and um, I, you know, I still can't quite get my arms around Mac Davis as an NFL quarterback. <laughs> I, I thought that was the one part of the movie that kind of didn't ring true to me. You know, every time he cocked the arm and throw the ball, I just thought, uh, no, <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but the rest of the movie, especially oh. the, the inner workings of the team, I thought was really very good. Yeah. Uh, and wow. my three favorites would probably be, would probably be the three top in the book. I didn't have any quarrel in any of it. it was, Rocky was number one. Okay. Um, Hoosiers was number two. And even though it's a very different, totally different kind of sports movie, Raging Bull was just ah. an, an absolutely spectacular piece of filmmaking. Yeah. Uh, and uh, in fact, Roger Ebert uh, picked it as the best American film of the of the 80s, of the decade. Wow. Uh, uh, so, and I, I don't quarrel with that. I think it was an absolute masterpiece. So it's not, it doesn't fit the description of your prototypical sports movie because yeah. it's a movie, frankly, it's a movie where it's very hard to root for the hero. Yeah, he's a hero. It's not really a hero. That's uh, right. So, so it was a real different kind of movie. Um, but Robert De Niro was absolutely sensational, as was Pesci, as was Kathy Moriarty. And I think Martin Scorsese has agreed that it's probably the finest film he's ever made. So that's my top three. All right. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, yeah. So look forward to that. Check it out. November 7th, uh, the Swarthmore Players Club. So head out there. All right, Ray. So let's talk about the team. We haven't, I don't think we've had you on since the season started. Uh, they're four in, four and oh, only two teams, four and oh. Um, I, I know for some Eagles fans, it hasn't looked maybe, maybe as smooth as, as they anticipated. Um, 
Uh, just give me your overview through almost the quarter poll here of what you've seen from the birds. Yeah, I think you're. I think you said it very well. I think that's kind of where we are. It's it's very funny um, when when I'm walking around town and people stop me to talk about the Eagles and stuff. It's so funny. I mean, most of them say, "What's wrong with this team?" And <laughs> and I, you know, my response is, uh, "Have you checked the standings?" You know? <laughs> I mean, four and zero. There's only two four and zero teams, and they're one of them. Um, but you know, there is the sense that. They, they haven't played great, um, but it kind of tells you about the overall strength of the team that they could play a little bit subpar and still be 4-0. Mm-hmm. Um, they, if, for them to get back to the Super Bowl and win it, they'll have to play better than they played to this point. Um, but, you know, they've come away with four straight wins, and, and that's pretty good. I mean, listen, we all remember, and I covered teams, Eagles teams, that didn't win four games in a whole season. So, <laughs> yeah. so I'm not going to sit here and find a whole lot of fault with 4-0. But the fact is, and Jason Kelsey said it, I thought, very well after the game on Sunday when he said, or the, uh, the game against Washington, when he said, you know, hey, we got a, we, we got a lot we got to clean up right now. And that's right. And that's true. And, um, you know, I think that this game in Los Angeles on Sunday is going to be, it's going to be a tough game, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it's – Pro football, as we as we all know, we've discussed a million times, is really a game of matchups. How do you match up with your opponent? And right now, the Eagles have some issues in their secondary. There's, there's no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. And they're going up against uh, a team that has thrown the ball more than any team in football to this point. And Matt Stafford's averaging 40 attempts a game. Guarantee you he's going to throw it 40 times on Sunday. Yeah, you can believe that. So, uh, and they're getting Cooper Cup back. So, you know, I think this is going to be uh, – I don't think this is going to be easy for the Eagles by any means. I still – you know, they're four-and-a-half-point favorites, but uh, I think this is going to be – I think this is going to be a real test. You know, Ray, um, I, I think we agree this is not going to be the dominant team Eagles-wise overall that we saw in 2022. And that's, that's you know, fair to say considering you're integrating a bunch of new coaches, a bunch of new players, especially on the defensive side of the ball. As you look at the four games, are the little tendencies that you see that if they don't get ironed out could be big trouble for this team when they start playing the better competition? Yeah, most of them are in the secondary, Derek. Most yeah. of them are in the secondary. I mean, you, you 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 see, you know, you saw what Washington was able to do with them on a Sunday. I mean, the way, you know, with 143 to go, if they just walk the ball down the field inside the game. I mean, if you're if you're a real, if you're a really good defense, you don't let that happen. And that's, you know, that to me is the issue. It, uh, there was, there just was a lot of blown coverages. There were receivers too wide open. There looked like there were some issues in communication uh, in the secondary where guys didn't look like they quite were all on the same page. Uh, and that's, that's a concern. That's just particularly a concern when you're going up against a team like the Rams that's built to throw the football uh, and you got a veteran quarterback um, who has been around a while and you've got a rookie receiver who's just tearing it up. I mean, catching more balls than anybody in the league and their best receivers coming off the injured list. Yeah. You know, those, those are all matters of concern. And, you know, you look at the Eagles secondary right now, you got a couple of, you know, you got a couple of veteran corners and then you got a lot of guys that are just trying to find their way. And, you know, it's, they're very thin back there. They're very, very thin back there. If they got, and you got the two corners that you're really counting on that the whole thing's built on are both in their 30s. Um, if anything happens to them, boy, 
Eagles would be hard pressed to replace him because, you know, you've lost Avante Maddox. I don't know if people really understand how important he was to that sure. defense, but you lose him. You lost Zach McPherson in the preseason. Now all of a sudden a unit that didn't have a tremendous amount of depth to begin with mm-hmm. is now dangerously thin. And it wouldn't surprise me at all. I know the Eagles picked up one more DB this week. It wouldn't surprise me at all if come trade deadline, you see how we make a move to bring in another defensive back for the back half of the schedule, because I think they could really, really use some help back there. Mm. Ray, you touched on it. You, you know, uh, Nakua is off to a record setting pace so far. Atwell's played very well. They add Cup, who we know, you know, what he's capable of. Higby's a good tight end, too. Um, how big a challenge is this? Are you, are you surprised at, at the start the Rams have gotten off to? I mean, I think they played better than some anticipated. Two and two is no, nothing to, you know, celebrate here necessarily, but they played pretty well, all things considered. What do you think about this Rams offense? Yeah, I, I think they're dangerous. I, re- I really do, um, especially the way the Eagles are playing right now. I, I think this game, it's it's obviously very winnable for the Eagles. They're favored yeah. for a reason. But if they're going to win it, they're going to have to win it with their pass rush because they're not going to win it on the back end, not the yeah. way they're playing right yeah. now. And um, Nakua, you mentioned him, um, has been – I mean, he's shocked everybody, including, I'm sure, the Rams coaches. I mean, I, I wish I could sit here and tell you that he was one of my draft sleepers, but he wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> he's, Ray, he's bigger than most BYU guys. He's got good size. Oh, yeah, yeah, he I mean, does. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't on anybody's radar. Nobody. Nobody. Yeah. Um, I mean, he had, he had an okay college career. He didn't put up huge numbers. And a BYU offense where historically good receivers would. Um Average speed, you know, four, five, five, you know, average size, six, one. I mean, there's nothing exceptional about him, mm-hmm. uh, but um, he's he catches the ball uh, and he has a real good feel for being able to read a defense and find the holes. And um, he's got because of the cup injury, he's gotten an opportunity to play a lot and he's made the most of it. And one of the reasons that this this game kind of concerns me from an Eagle standpoint is that I know Sean McVay. I have a lot of respect for him as a as a an offensive play designer. I think he's very good at that. Uh, and his offenses have always been built on a lot of motion, a lot of formation changes, a lot of deception, uh, a lot of scheming concept things that use one pattern to set somebody else up. I mean, he's very good about scheming, getting guys open. Uh, that's always been his strength. And the way the Eagles secondary is playing right now, that's that's a bad matchup, you know. Is, is a, a team that's going to that's going to throw a lot of disguise at you. It's going to motion you, change formations, all that kinds of things. With the Eagles team that I saw playing Washington, some of the breakdowns they had, some of the poor communication they had. That's a that's going to be that's going to be a very very. If they play the same way, the Rams could give them a lot of problems. Again, mm-hmm. I think this is going to be, you know, the, the Rams offensive line is not great. Uh, if you looked at the tape of their game last week, Matthew Stafford was getting hit a ton. Yep. Uh, and I think that's what that, that's going to be the key for this game is the Eagles defensive line, which I think is is very good and should certainly win the battle up front. If they can get a lot of pressure on Matt Stafford and hit him and for, he has thrown five interceptions. If they can get that kind of pressure on him, then I think that they'll win the game. But um, the the matchup of that of that passing game, against the Eagles secondary, the way they're playing right now, 
uh, has the potential to be a problem. Hey, hey Ray, Jalen Carter is still in his infancy stages of, of evolving in the NFL, but he already has the second most pressures of a D lineman behind Aaron Donald. Uh, you've covered a lot of defensive linemen in, in the history of this team. Are you starting to see comparisons with somebody else that you've covered? Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, he's – yeah, he's very, very good. I mean, uh, I think we all knew um, coming in that he had the chance to be a really good player and an impact player right away, which yeah. he has certainly yeah. been. Um, I was with uh, – I, I did a charity event with uh, Dick Vermeule the other night, and we were talking about this. And, and he was talking at length about how impressed he is with what he's seen from Jalen Carter. Mm-hmm. And he actually – I, I almost fell out of my chair when he said that he does some things that remind him of, get this, Reggie White. Oh, jeez. Oh, my goodness. Now, now that's coming hey, that's, that's coming from a Hall of Fame coach, okay? Wow. So I'm not going to dismiss it. I, and I love Dick. I'm not prepared to put Jalen Carter and Reggie White in the same <laughs> sentence just yet, mm-hmm. uh, especially because they kind of play two different positions. I mean, Reggie played on the edge. This kid plays inside. Uh I think you could make – I think it would be a fair comparison to make at this point as a rookie to compare him to Jerome Brown. Mm. I think I think that's a fair comparison yeah. because they kind of play the same position. You're asking them to do the same thing. Uh, and we saw, you know, four or five games in Jerome's rookie year, we were seeing a lot of the same kinds of abilities, his ability, his, his explosion, his quickness off the ball, his ability to shed blockers, uh, his strength. And his ability to collapse the pocket. I mean, we saw that with Jerome right about the same way we'd have with Carter. So, I, you know, I think that's a fair comparison. But Dick surprised me the other day by actually saying he's seen some things in him that remind him of Reggie. Now, again, I'm not prepared to go there. But um, I did a I did an event with um, Seth Joyner oh, about three weeks ago. And uh, before actually before the season started, it was the week of the opener. And Seth said flat out, I mean, flat out that Jalen Carter is going to be the defensive rookie of the year. I mean, he he made that prediction before the first game was played. And at this point, I mean, if you had to handicap the defensive rookies, he's probably right there. Yep. Mm. I would agree. Are you surprised it took until game four for the passing offense to get clicking? We know they ran it very well in a few games for sure. Has that surprised you? Did we not anticipate a, a, a learning curve here a little bit with Brian Johnson taking over Shane Steichen? How do you view it? Um, yeah, I think I think the learning curve works both ways. I think the learning curve, they're, they're, part of it is the learning curve of the defenses you're playing against. Yeah. Uh, because I think, and you saw, you really saw it big time in New England in the New England game, where um, the New England's coverages. I mean, they came out and they played they they played all different kinds of zone defenses that the Eagles had not seen before. Uh, and I think you saw a lot of hesitation and a lot of uh, uncertainty uh, in the part of the quarterback and the receivers. Uh, and that's a, a listen, that's you were going to be getting that all year yeah. when you're the Super Bowl team uh, and you have the kind of explosive offense that they had last year. Every team in the league spent the whole offseason studying you. That's right. So they're coming. They Everybody you're going to play this year is coming into these games with a far better idea of how to defend what you want to do. So that challenge is going to be there every week, and they saw it in week one. Uh, and that's, you know, I, I, I wasn't surprised. I kind of expected that. Uh, now, I think you've seen with each succeeding week, they've started to figure things out a little bit. And obviously, the Washington game was certainly, in terms of throwing the ball, their best game of the year. Um, but I think that, you know, with the players they've got, I mean, with 
with the offensive line that they've got where it all starts, I mean, uh, and the ability Swift's addition has been huge. I mean, he's, he's really good. He's been a really impactful player second in the league in rushing right now. And I think he's going to have a big game on Sunday because the Rams uh, teams have been able to run the ball on the Rams pretty effectively. Mm-hmm. And I think the Eagles, I think the Eagles with Swift will probably be able to run on them again this week. Um, but the two wide receivers are excellent. They're the best pair in the league. And, um, you know, I would like to see them start getting the tight end involved in the passing game more. I think yeah. they have to. So to take this offense out to its fullest dimension, you have to get more out of Dallas Goddard. I mean, I mean, right now he's averaging, I think, seven yards a catch. Yeah. And he's, I mean, he's, he's much more of a big play player than yeah. that. You know, I mean, he's not – he, I mean, there are some tight ends in the league that check down tight ends. That's what they are. That's all that they can give you. We've seen Dallas Goddard make a lot of big plays down the field. And so far, they haven't been able to figure out how to do that. But they, they, they have to start because he's, he's too good a player to be averaging seven yards a catch. Mm-hmm. Ray, how would you categorize what a, a Sean Desai defense has looked like up to this point as a whole? A little different. A little different than what we saw with Gannon. Uh, a little bit more aggressive. A little bit more willing to take chances. Uh, but I, I saw, I, I really felt I saw last week against Washington, um, uh, some, I, I, I don't want to say, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think of the right word, um, some wariness, you know, it looked like, it looked like they backed off a little bit on their aggressiveness mm-hmm. and it looked like they were playing, they were kind of playing, they kind of went back into that safety kind of coverage that we don't want to give up the big play, so they were giving up a lot underneath especially on that final drive. Uh, I think that was, you know, that I think size philosophically um, would like to be an aggressive play caller. You know, and I think he knows with his, the guys he has up front in his front seven, he can do that. But I think he's, he's also a little worried about how good, how is his secondary going to hold up uh, if they, if they take too many chances. So I think now sometimes he's sort of falling back into that mode of, Okay, I'm going to play it a little safe. I'm going to keep everything in front of us. And that was that to me was very evident on the final drive. And, you know, the final, the tying touchdown, which, hey, listen, if Riverboat Ron goes for the two-point conversion, I'm not, yes. sure, I'm not sure the Eagles win that game. Okay? Yes. Uh, but, the, but the touchdown that almost cost you that game, uh, I'm looking at the coverage there and saying, where's the corners? You know, they're standing in the end zone. You're not challenging anybody. I mean, that was, for the, given that situation, the team is down to one play you have to play that more aggressively. And they didn't in that situation. It almost cost them. How much of that, Ray, is is Desai versus the organization's philosophy? You know, I mean, it's like a chicken or an egg. They, It, it was that way with Gannon. It, they just seemed to not want to give the big play up. And I don't know I don't know that Desai's hands aren't a little bit tied, even if he wanted to be a little more aggressive. Yeah, I think um, – I honestly think that's kind of almost across the league now, is, yeah. this, is this idea of uh, – of playing that style of defense. Don't give up the big play. Uh, you know, the, 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 the two deep safeties, the split in the half of the field, seems to be what everybody's mindset is now. Uh, and I kind of get that. I mean, you don't want to give up 60-yard plays. But, yeah. you know, the, the prevailing offensive philosophy now, and you hear it with every team you play every week, regardless of who the quarterback is, you know, what's the one thing you always hear? Got to get the ball out of the quarterback's hand fast. Got to yeah. get it out fast. Get it out fast. Get it out fast. Two seconds, 2.2 seconds. The ball's coming out. 
well, okay, if everybody's going to play that way, and they are, um, then you can't be playing your you can't be playing your corners ten yards deep. Right. You know, you're 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 making that you're making that so easy for that quarterback to get those easy quick throws. If if that if you understand that that's the way teams are going to play, that the, the whole idea is going to be get the ball out of the quarterback's hands fast, then you got to be challenging up at the line of scrimmage. You can't yes. do that underneath stuff. So that's why, uh, and it's not just an Eagles thing or an Eagles organizational thing. I think it's a league-wide thing that yes. if I'm if I'm a defensive coordinator now, and I know every week the whole pre, the whole idea is, boy, we can't have the quarterback holding the ball. It's got to come out fast. Well, then that's fine. The other part of it is the only way I can answer it is I got to have my corners right up in your face at the line of scrimmage so that two seconds when he's trying to get rid of the ball, guess what? His guy's covered as opposed to being five yards open. Mm-hmm. Ray, I've asked a number of people this, and I got to get your perspective on this. Does it appear to you that that Jalen seems a little bit slower in terms of uh, floating out of the pocket? And even when he steps up to run, he doesn't seem to have that that second gear burst that he had a season ago. Uh, I, I, yes, I think that's a fair, I think that's a fair assessment. You're, you're not the first one that said it. I've heard yeah. other people say it. Um, I mean, Ron Jaworski said it uh, early in the season. So he doesn't seem to be running the same way. He's not running as fast. He's not right. running as the runs don't seem to have that kind of explosiveness. Well, I think it's, um, I don't think he's slower. You know, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, th- I, think, I think what it is now is they have told him and they have coached him that when you run now, you, you, you got, you got to look to get down, you know, and you, as opposed to, as opposed to in the past, when we saw him run, he was running. I mean, he was running with the ball and he was trying to get every yard and okay. He would slide at the end, but now I think he's running, with the idea of, as most quarterbacks do, I'm going to run and I'm going to get what I can get, then I'm going to get down. Mm-hmm. And I think when that's the way you're running, as opposed to busting it on a big run, that just makes you look slower because, frankly, you are slower. Um, but I, I kind of understand the philosophy of what they're trying to do here is they're trying to get him through 17 games in one mm-hmm. piece. Mm-hmm. you know. And I can't, I can't say that's a bad idea. I mean, each of the last two years, I mean, two years ago, he had the, the ankle foot injury Yep. hampered him all big time in the playoff game. And then last year he took the big hit in Chicago and he played the, the last month of this. He missed two games and it was playing with a with a bad shoulder. So that's two years in a row when you were going to the postseason, but you were going with a damaged quarterback. So I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to find a way to get through this year and get to that stretch run into the postseason with a healthier quarterback. So that's always a good idea. But I think it's resulted in kind of what you're seeing now, which is the Jalen running plays don't look like the Jalen running plays in the past because there's an element of self-preservation there. Hmm. Ray, just quickly looking at the NFC East, it, it you look like it looks like two teams are in big, big trouble. The Giants um, and coming off a hideous performance on Monday night, and then the Commanders, who actually you know hung in there with the Eagles certainly, but last night was just, I mean, awful beyond awful. Are, are they cooked? I mean, are both of those teams just don't even worry about them the rest of the year? This is a two-horse race here between the Eagles and the Cowboys. Yeah, I, I'm a little bit surprised because I thought the division would be more competitive. Mm-hmm. You know, coming yeah. into this season, yeah. I, you know, we've talked over the last how many years now where you know the NFC East has been so bad that it's it's really been the Eagles and the Cowboys, and that's it. And you didn't even think about the Giants in Washington. Uh, coming into this year, I kind of thought, okay, you know, I think the Giants looked like they made some strides last year. Uh, and you figured Washington with a change in ownership and maybe a different sense of direction would, would start to come together a little bit. 
Uh, but you're not seeing it. You're not seeing it. I mean, you know, that was a dismal performance by Washington last night. Uh, I mean, at, at that half, that halftime, just watching them get booed off the field, I, I fully understood it. I mean, yeah. they were they weren't even really competitive against a zero win team. So, are they going to bounce back? Doesn't look like it to me. Uh, and the Giants, you know, the Giants. I think partly it's their their schedule has been really tough early. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you know the next two weeks now they got to go to Miami and then they got to go to Buffalo so it ain't going to get any easier. Uh, I think the Giants. I think the Giants are they they got better last year, but I think what happened was that people really overestimated how good they were. I think they overreacted to them a making the playoffs and then b winning that game out in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I think even with you two guys, I think we talked about in the aftermath of the season. Yeah. Where I said, where you know, I said, you know, I think the Giants, I think they're they're about to make a big mistake. I think they're going to give Daniel Jones a huge contract. Yeah. Now yeah. On the on the basis of basically one game. Yeah. You know that mm-hmm. that win out in Minnesota against. A Vikings team that I think we all kind of realized was was kind of overrated and overhyped. Yeah. You know, they they weren't really that good. And I going into that game, I actually thought I picked the Giants to win that game because I just mm-hmm. didn't believe in the Vikings. Mm-hmm. Well, they went out there and they won. And Jones had, a, to his credit, a really mm-hmm. good game. But I think that the Maras felt like at that point they were kind of backed into a corner, and the press was on them, and the fans were on them to sign the big contract. Okay, now they signed Daniel Jones to a hundred and sixty million dollar contract, and look where they are right now. You know, um, their offensive line, their offensive line is is just terrible. He took yes. a beating. Yeah. He yeah, took he a did. beating. Yeah, he did. I mean, you, I mean, you saw that last week. Their offensive line was just brutal, and you know they'll get Saquon back maybe this week, if not next week. But I don't know that it's going to make a big difference. Yeah. You know, I thought the Giants would be. I thought the Giants would be kind of eight and eight-ish, nine and seven kind of thing. I kind of thought they'd be in that range. Mm-hmm. Uh, but right now, listen, if they fall to one and five, I mean, the bottom could fall out of that thing real easily. Yeah. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. And no doubt. You know, Ray, before the season started, everybody across the board, when you when you started to stack the teams in the NFC East, I'm, I'm sorry, the NFC it was Eagles, 49ers, pick your flavor, and then Dallas, number three. And that seems to be the case right now. Right. But here we are approaching week number five. Give me a sleeper team to keep an eye on in the NFC. Um, I will tell I will tell you the same thing I told you. You asked me almost exactly the same question yep. the week before the opener yep. for a sleeper team. And I'm going to give you the same answer I gave them. I think Seattle. They're coming on, man. They're coming on. I think Seattle's pretty good. I think people – kind of forgot about Seattle when Russell Wilson left. 
they kind of just wrote him off and said, well, that's that's the end of them. And kind of said, well, you know, Pete Carroll's probably at the end of the trail and they're going to have to do a rebuild and blah, blah, blah. And I wasn't so sure about that. I mean, they still have some good players there. Mm-hmm. And look, nobody's no more, you know, nobody's more surprised about the, the, the resurrection of Geno Smith than I am. Uh, but I've gotten to the point now where I kind of believe in it. You know, I mean, for a while last year, I thought, oh, that, you know, he's, he's going to go back to being Geno again, you know. But it looks to me like he's found a good situation. Uh, it looks like he's, he's sort of responding to coaching now. He's making good decisions with the ball. And he seems to be gaining confidence. It seems like he sort of feels like, you know, he's kind of going through that second chapter of his career where all of a sudden it's like, wow, it's coming easily to him. And I, you know, I, the Giants played terrible against him. I understand that. But you still had to be impressed by what Seattle did, yeah. you know, coming all the way across country to play in New York on a, on a night game. Um, I think Seattle's for real. Uh, and I think they're, they're a team that nobody's really talking much about, mm-hmm. but they're formidable. And, the Eagles have to play them at the tail end of that killer stretch, you know, the Cowboys yep. and the, the Cowboys yep. and the Bills and the Chiefs and the and the 49ers. At the tail end of that, nobody's talking about Seattle, but you should because you're going to have to play the Seahawks and are going to have to play them out there. And any of us that have been around know the Eagles' history with the with Seattle oh. is not a, is not a good one. Man. So they're they would probably be the team that's that's maybe lurking as the surprise team. Right now, I think they're going to be in the playoffs. All right, Ray, lastly, uh, who wins the Eagles game? What do you think in this one? I'll, I'll still take the Eagles. I'll still take the Eagles. I think it's going to be I think it's going to be high scoring because I think because I think the Rams, the way the Eagles secondary is right now, I think that Stafford and that passing game are going to make some plays. Uh, I wouldn't surprise me if the over-under number went up. I mean, right now it's at 50. Yeah, 50, uh, 50 and a half. Yep. And yeah, and, and I would go – I would go over that right now. Uh, yep. I think both of those teams are going to score, but I, th- I think the Eagles will win. And I would say probably something like a, a 30 to 24 kind of game. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. Ray, listen, thanks. I want to remind everybody uh, that your book, one last read now yes. out on paperback. Mm-hmm. And also, as we talked about a little bit earlier, yourself, Glenn Mack now at the players club of Swarthmore, that's Tuesday, November 7th. Awesome. You're going to show scenes from sports movies, discuss how they were made, the budget, crazy stuff behind the scenes, all that kind of stuff uh, throughout the course of the night. Tickets on sale at the Players Club of Swarthmore's website. You can get tickets for that uh, right now. So, Ray, we appreciate it, man. Uh, always great talking to you. Always great to be with you guys. See you Thank soon. You, Ray. Thanks, Ray. Thank you so Take much. care. All Take right. care, guys. You got it. That is Ray Didinger. All right, Gunner, let's come back and let's dig into some of the better matchups in the NFL this week, we always give you NFC East flavor. We'll talk. We just mentioned the Giants. We'll look at the Giants. We'll look at the biggest game of the week. That's the Cowboys and the 49ers. Also, the Jets are on deck for the Eagles. So we'll look at the Jets and the Broncos and some of the other good games. We'll dig into that when we come back. Remember, later in the show, we'll give our Eagles predictions, how we think the game plays out, and our Phillies predictions as well. So don't go anywhere. That's Derek Gunn. I am Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. All right, proaction restoration, because this is key. You want to take down this information, all right? Proaction restoration. If you have a home, you have a business, you have a property that you own, and you go through the inconvenience and the pain of water, fire, smoke damage, mold remediation, you're not sure how to go about cleaning it up, fixing it, et cetera. Well, proaction restoration is on call 24 hours, seven days a week to assist. You can reach out to them at any time, all right? They are licensed, bonded, fully insured, and they've been serving the tri-state area for more than two decades, ProAction will work in conjunction 
with your insurance company also. So water, fire, smoke damage, mold remediation. But if there's something else that you're not sure about, just give them a call for a consultation. 610-623-3760. 610-623-3760. Or you can reach out online at ProActionRestoration.com. That's ProActionRestoration.com. you own a company and you're not producing a podcast you're missing out the public consumes messaging when they're ready join the professional podcast network of companies and let jacob media partners put you in the podcast arena come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast call jacob media right now at 267-261-3428-267-261-3428 my name is dr bruce grossinger and I'm the medical director of Philadelphia PRP and Stem Cell Institute. I'm reaching out to those who suffer from spine and joint pain. We use treatment methods that require no surgery, no scalpel, no drugs. Running, walking, or whatever your desires are, Dr. Groshner is where you need to come. You can benefit from the same PRP and stem cell treatment as Wilbert Montgomery. Call us now at 610-222-5675. Save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Friday, everybody. Uh, sports take, Jacob Sports, and that is the gun. I am Rob Ellis. We're talking some football here. We just wrapped things up with Ray Didinger and Scott Fransky. Phenomenal guest list today. If you missed any of that, just go to uh, just go back and watch. Just go back and watch. Go to go to JacobSports.com or Jacob Sports YouTube channel. You can always go back, watch our guest, watch any of our shows, watch any of the segments from our shows, uh, and we do appreciate that. All right, Gunner, let's uh, let's turn our sights here to the NFC East teams. Um, mm. I, want, I want to save the best game 
in the NFC East for last in the second here with the Cowboys and the Niners. But let's start with the Giants. Giants are coming off a terrible game. We just talked to, to Ray about, you know, what's going on with them and Daniel Jones and Saquon is, I, I saw a video of him. It, he's, he's moving around a little bit at practice. I don't yep. know if that means he plays, I, you know, we'll see, but not an easy task coming off that bad loss on Monday. They get a Dolphins team that's going to be pretty angry too, coming off their first loss of the season. Miami heavy favorites there, 12-point favorites in this one uh, in South Florida. What do you think in this one? Um, I think it's over before it begins. <laughs> I think a Brian Dayball team will play better uh, just because they were so embarrassed. But I don't think they have anywhere near the, near the skill set or the firepower to deal with this Miami team in Miami. I think if they were playing it in New York, the adrenaline rush at home, knowing that people are going to rain down booze and they want to, they would want to keep the people from booing. They would play a better brand of football, but I think it's going to get out of control uh, down in Miami. Uh, Miami can accidentally score 30 points on a good team. Mm -hmm. Giants are not a good team, you know, and for whatever reason, a Wink Martindale defense has not played anywhere near what I thought it would play like up to this point. Uh, and so I think it's going to be a lot of misery for Giants fans again. And the airwaves will be buzzing in the in the city of New York Sunday through Monday about how terrible this team is. Fire this person, fire that person, make changes, do this, that, and the other. It's going to be another long week for the New York Giants. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I don't think this is a close game. Um, I think the point spread's right. I think Miami will cover that point spread. I don't think this is a competitive game at all. Um, I don't think the, the Dolphins or the Giants have anywhere near the firepower to keep up with this Dolphin team. And they're they're going to come out firing after the way it went last week. Buffalo did a good job containing them. Uh, maybe a little wake-up call, Derek, for, for guys who were sniffing themselves a bit. Um, but I don't see it. I don't see the Giants even being – I think this is at halftime it's over. And, and half really not close. Over by the end of the first quarter, <laughs> halftime could be. Yeah, right. I'm, I'm not. I'm giving the Giants too much credit. No, I, I just I do not think that this thing's close. I don't. You know, and the Giants they they got two straight weeks of this. You know, it, it doesn't get it doesn't get any easier. It, it really doesn't. I mean, again, it, we we you look at what they have coming up. So they're one and three right now, off to a really bad start. They go to an angry Miami, then they go to Buffalo the next week. So I think you could be staring at one and five if you're a Giants fan very easily. Very you go easily. you go from Miami to Buffalo, two of the highest scoring teams in the league in, in, in the span of seven days. You know, I'm calling the league office and that who made this stupid schedule? <laughs> Couldn't you have not given us some kind of break in between? What were you people thinking? Well, you got what, the playoffs. The case? I know. Well, yeah, wait, wait, wait. What do you mean they got the playoffs? Do you, did you not see their schedule last year? I know. Okay. All right. All right. I know you were being facetious, but yes. they're taking their lumps this year. And I think this is the year, you know, I think the Giants front office got caught up in the, in the, in the aspect of look what we did in 2022. We're not that far off. Yeah. And I think this year they're getting exposed all hands on deck. We got to rebuild this thing. You know, it is dangerous. Self-evaluation's hard, you know, and you can be fooled sometimes by a little bit of success. And then all of a sudden, man, if you got it wrong, Oh, Oh boy. All right. Uh, this, this is a truly, this is the one here this week. Cowboys at the Niners. Uh, Niners are minus Ooh. four. San Francisco undefeated. Dallas three and one. Uh, you know, the Niners, obviously, a lot of weaponry here, Gunner. Purdy playing really well. 
He's got Ayuk. He's got Debo. He's got, although Kittle hasn't done a ton yet, but he's got Kittle as well. That's always there. And McCaffrey, you know, playing at the MVP level, not to mention a defense, you know, led by Fred Warner and, and, and a lot of skill. Dallas, of course, Micah Parsons, uh, you know, we, we know the, some of the fireworks they're capable of on offense. Uh, this game's in San Francisco. San Fran knocked Dallas off 19-12 in the divisional round last year. Um, what do you think in this one? They're playing it in San Francisco. Yep. And, and, and Dak has been a little irritated by some of the questions this week pertaining to why they, they keep stumbling against the Niners. Mike McCarthy has continuously answered those questions. I just think San Francisco is playing so meticulous on both sides of the ball. His last outing, Brock Purdy was 20 of 21. It's ridiculous. Yeah. You know, um, and, and losing Trayvon Diggs against a team like the 49ers is going to be huge. The Dallas Cowboys can survive a lot of battles without Trayvon Diggs because they have so much talent elsewhere. Right. In this particular battle, they can use a Trayvon Diggs with all the moving parts the 49ers have. Christian McCaffrey is playing at an MVP pace. And Debo Samuels, they're saying, will be he- healthy for the first time this season in this particular game. Um, I think Dallas offensively has too many question marks. I understand that uh, Tony Pollard with the knee situation is not 100%. Um, the tight end position for Dallas is not factored in as much as they would hope it would since uh, Dalton Schultz uh, relocated to Houston. Right. Um, I think it's going to be a long day of misery for the, the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Dak Prescott's going to make a mistake somewhere along the line. And when it's all said and done, when the day comes to a conclusion, the Cowboys will be two games behind the Eagles after five weeks. Yeah, I um, I, I think it's a, a very competitive game. And I think ultimately San Fran outlasts them in the end. Uh, yeah. The, you know, the line's gone up from three and a half to four. I, I think San Francisco just has too much. I think ultimately um, Dallas's defense is going to have a tough time with all the options that they have. I do wonder at yes. some point, and I don't know if it's this game, uh, Derek, but McCaffrey's getting a ton of touches. Yes, yes. They got to start scaling it back a little bit with him at some point during the season. Again, it might not be the Dallas game because it's going to be such a tough game. But you, he's – I don't know. I, I, I don't see him lasting if you keep giving as many carries and as many throws as he gets out of the backfield. So that's something to keep your eye on. I agree 100%. I think you, you, when you look at a Christian McCafferty and when you look at his injury history, um, you have to pick and choose your moments well because if he goes down, it changes the overall structure and complexion of that offense. And the way it's running like a machine right now, obviously he is the focal point of that offense. But be careful what you ask for um, because he could come back to bite you. I mean, he's already had 80 carries. And he's also had 20, uh, 18 catches. A lot. So he's, That's he's a lot had through four 98 games. Carry, uh, 98 touches through four games. Now, granted, Debo has not has not been 100%. Debo only has 17 catches right now. Brandon Ayuk, uh, who missed one game, only has 17 catches. George Kittle only has 14 catches. And, you know, guys like Jawan Jennings, uh, Ray Ray McLeod, they haven't even been factors. You know, they even have Willie Sneed, who's yeah. only played in one game. Um, and, and Elijah Mitchell, the running back, hasn't got as many touches in your thought. I think they're leaning way too heavily on McCaffrey. I understand why they're doing it. He's so uh, explosive in both the running and a passing game. 
But again, you look at look at his injury history. You you look at um, how you need him in December and January. You know, you, you think about this, Rob. With with McCafferty, you go 2020, three games, 21, seven games, mm-hmm. 22, six games. I mean, yeah, 22. Well, he placed all 17 because he was traded 49ers. Yeah. But three games prior to that, uh, three uh, three seasons prior to that, three, seven, it's it's not good. You it's, know, no, you're headed down you a know, dangerous yeah, path. Yeah, yeah, I agree yeah. with you. And, and I, I get the temptation. You're undefeated since he came there in the regular season. We know what happened in the playoff game against yes. the Eagles, but he, they're yes. undefeated uh, since that's the case. So I, I think we're both on the same page, Niners in a, in a tight one. Uh, that could be huge, Derek. Think about it from this standpoint. So Dallas loses the if they lose, they're three and two. If the Eagles win, I know there's F's here, but if the Eagles win, they're five and zero. Oh. Man, you got a two game advantage over them, and it looks yes. like the Giants and Washington are both really headed south yeah. quick. Yeah, huge. You know, Washington started out two and zero. Oh. People are starting to buzz about them now. They've lost three in a row, and people are still irate that River Riverboat Ron didn't go for two against the Eagles. They could have won that game. And of course, th- turn around and lay a golden egg um, the, four days later against Chicago, and it's starting to it's starting to look bad for Washington. It, it it it's what we thought it would be at the outset of this season—a two-horse race um, between Eagles and the Cowboys. And after five weeks, if the Eagles take care of their business in LA, and again, like Ray, and I said it before, we had Ray on. I don't think that's going to be an easy game out in LA by any stretch of the imagination. The Eagles can come away after five weeks, two games up, which is huge in a 17-game season. Sure is. It yep. sure is. All right, some other games here of note. Uh, I bring up the Jets because the Eagles have them next. They're at the Broncos. Both teams one and three. Broncos got their first win of the season last week, beating Chicago. The game they had to come back big time just to win the game. And then the Jets haven't won since week one. But the question is, Derek, does that Zach Wilson – sort of closing performance, if you will. Uh, does any, do you believe any of that carries over? How do you think he looks uh, this week? Um, if anybody can get that out of him, Nathaniel Hackett can. I believe the big subplot, which has become a major storyline already, is Hackett going back to Denver, right? especially after what Sean Payton said this summer, the worst coaching I've ever seen in the history of the NFL, and then tried to walk it down. Uh, Jets center Connor McGovern came out and said this week, you know, he won't say it. We'll say it for him. We want to go in there and get him a, get him a, a measure of revenge. Hackett would not be duped into it when he spoke at the podium, downplayed it as another game, another important game of trying to get to where we need to be. But you can if you if in if you're a human, how can it not stick in your craw what a, a, a fellow coach said about you? It's it's a part of a fraternity that you don't talk about. You don't say that kind of stuff. Sean Payton is not a young coach, he's been down the gauntlet many times before, you know, the do's and don'ts and you opened your mouth and put your foot in it. And Denver has been, they, they got lucky and came back and beat the bears because the bears played them tough, but Denver's lucky to have one win right now. Yep. And I believe the jets are going to go in there and somehow shock the world. I should say shock the world because I think on paper people are picking Denver, but I think if, if they get Zach Wilson to play like he played the last game, they're going to beat Denver in Denver. Yep. Uh, that's, uh, I, I agree with you. I think Denver stinks. I think Denver is very fortunate. They, they were playing Chicago last week. I think the jets have a very good chance. And I think you have some confidence and confidence goes a long way, uh, with Zach Wilson for sure. Yes. All right. How about this matchup, Derek, the Ravens at the Steelers, Kenny Pickett is a go for the Steelers. Uh, they've Harbaugh and, uh, 
Tomlin have met, it feels like a million times. Um, 34. 34, in fact. And Baltimore 3-1, and one, Pittsburgh 2-2. Two and two. Pittsburgh coming off a really bad performance last week against Houston, where the Texans took it to them. Uh, Baltimore's gotten off to a nice start thus far. Tough division. The Bengals have certainly not gotten off to a good start, so that helps both of these teams. And, you know, the and the Browns are dealing with some injuries with Deshaun Watson. So what do you think in this one between those two? Um, when when a Mike Tomlin team has played putrid football the week before, they come back and play much, much better. Because Mike Tomlin, from what I've known of him, is not a uh, guy you want to be around coming off a loss for the week leading up to the next game. I think his guys are going to be more focused. You've got Lamar going in there. Pickett is in. I'm going to pull this. This is my um, up my upset. I'm picking Ooh. the Steelers at home to, to beat the Ravens. I like that pick. I yeah. look. I, yeah, we're going to find a little bit. Uh, find out a little bit about what the Steelers are made of here. Home game, bad loss. Tomlin getting on them. Pickett's going to play. Yep. Um, you know the, the the Ravens are their chief rival, or at least one of their biggest rivals. If the Ravens aren't their biggest, uh, coming in. You don't want to fall to two and three and let nope. Baltimore get the four and one. It's a very big swing game for early positioning here yep. for the division in a playoff spot. I'm with you. I like the Steelers, man. I would I would absolutely grab the four points there. Yes. And hopefully that gets up a little bit more. I think it's going to be a good game. If Pittsburgh loses this, Derek, it's going to start getting ugly. Um, yeah, yeah. Because we haven't seen prior to the last couple of years, we haven't seen Mike Tomlin's teams usually get blown out in games. And it feels like no, we've seen yeah. a little bit more of that lately um, for whatever reason. And they're, and they're offensive coordinators under all kinds of heat. Matt Canada yes. is taking all kinds of heat uh, from their fan base. All right. I, th- uh, I think I think TJ Watt and the boys are going to be have their ears pinned back. They're coming after Lamar. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, this one, this is the London game. So if you're, if you're checking this one out, it's the early game. Uh, the Jags and the Bills. Bills are minus five and a half. Jags are two and two. Buffalo's three and one. Buffalo, Derek, has been on just a, a tear, a, a terror path here since they lost that first game, just taking yeah. everybody out. And Jacksonville has has underachieved. The, the expectations were higher for these guys going into the season. I, I can't figure out this Jacksonville team. I thought at the very least they would be three and one at this point. The offense is not clicking the way you thought it would be. And the way Buffalo took apart Miami, I think Jackson, Jacksonville's in for a long day. Um I think it'll be a competitive game. You know, Doug Peterson has a way of getting his team to rally around bad outings, uh, but I don't think it'll be enough. If that be, and, and there's a possibility. Von Miller said there's 94% chance that he's playing on Sunday. Yeah. You know, I don't know if there's just a smoke screen, but if he's out there, yeah. it's going to make it even tougher for Trevor Lawrence and, and those guys. With or without Von Miller, I'm thinking Buffalo, just based on what they did to Miami, they put up 48 points on Miami. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't I, think the Jaguars stand a chance. Uh, I think Jacksonville, I, I don't know that they fully figured it out yet. Um, and I, I agree with you. I mean, so the, the, the bills lose 22 to 16 to start the season. And yep. since then it's been 38 to 10, 37 to three and 48, 20. That's what they've done the last three games. And and that 48 to 20 was against Miami. So uh, they, they appeared at Josh Allen is, you know, clicking now. He and Diggs obviously is a great connection, but that's not all they have. Uh, no. There's there's a lot going on there, and to be able to be in the spot that they're in without Von Miller all year is, is has got to make you feel pretty good if you're Sean McDermott yeah. for sure. Yep. yep. All right, so that's a good one. Let's hit one more, be, and then we'll dig into to more of the games when we come back. But uh, Titans Colts, both teams two mm. and two. 
a very wide open AFC South. This thing mm. is as wide open as it gets. Um, I would say uh, Colts have overachieved, and I would yes. say Titans have slightly underachieved yes. so far. Uh, Tennessee is a two-and-a-half-point favorite on the road in Indy. I can't get a feel. I can't get a feel for this Tennessee team. They they lose the opener by one point to New Orleans. They turn around and beat the Chargers in overtime. Yep. They turn around and get smoked by Cleveland the next week. They turn around and smoke Cincinnati the week after that. I I, I can't get a true gauge for what this team is or is not. I think when you look at a team like the Colts, nobody expected them to do much of anything. And I think the Colts are playing with house money and they're feeling good about themselves. And on top of that, the battle cry for the Colts is if we win this game, we're in first place. Right. After five weeks, you know, um, the Colts beat Baltimore. I still can't get over that. They beat Baltimore in overtime at Baltimore, uh, at Baltimore. That one surprised me. And they barely lose to the Rams in overtime at home. But they were competitive. They've been competitive in every game they've played, mm-hmm. you know, this season. Um, they beat a Houston team that went into Jacksonville and beat Jacksonville. Yeah. Um, I like the Colts at home in this game, to be honest with you. I Yeah, I do too. Like, I need to see – Jacksonville's got to prove it to me. Or, excuse me, Tennessee's got to uh, prove it to me until I back them on the road in, in a favored situation. Um, I think Steichen's done a good job, and it, especially with Taylor potentially coming back. Yes. You know, you, you make them a little bit more diverse here, that Colts team. Anthony Richardson's played pretty well uh, for the most part. So, yeah, I'm, uh, I want to back the Colts here. I'm and I think well. if, if there's a defense that can slow Derrick Henry down, it's the Colts. You know, yes. I think the Colts are a very underrated defense. You don't – when you talk about better defenses in the National Football League, the Colts are never mentioned. But the Colts for the last couple of years have had a pretty good defense when you, yep. when you stack them up against everybody else um, in the NFL. Uh, they play well. They play fast, you know. And, and I just love um, that they, they they fly around with reckless abandon. They don't care, you know. Mm-hmm. They they're just out there having fun, you know. Uh, I'm trying to find this this stats real quick here. Uh, I just saw it. What happened to it? Oh, I lost the cold stats. Come on. All right, t- tell me oh, what, yeah. you, what you're oh, looking yeah. for. You got it. All you right. Well, it. okay. Overall. Overall, you know, they're, they're giving up almost 391 yards a game and they're giving up 127 yards rushing yeah. and 25 points a game. But the Colts have played opportunistic football. They've made stops when they've had to. They've made big plays offensively when they've had to. And this was this is with marginal talent. You know, Michael Pittman Jr. is the best weapon on offense until, you know, Jonathan Taylor gets back. But yet somehow, someway, they've managed to stay in every game yeah. and they've, they've won 50% of them. So I think this week is a big battle cry for them. Look, everybody in our division is two and two. Yeah. If we win this game, we're still here and not here. Mm-hmm. It's huge. Yeah, I agree. Agreed. All right, let's get a timeout. Come back. Uh, we'll continue with the NFL talk. We'll, we'll get into a bunch of other things that we haven't hit already, including Von Miller, Chase Claypool on the move, Gunner, not surprisingly, but we'll tell you where he's going. Uh, some injury updates. We'll look at some of the other games around the league. As well, we will close the show out with our predictions for the Eagles, our predictions for the Phillies. Tone will join us for those as well. So don't go. And I have a great on this date for you, too. Uh, so don't go anywhere. Derek Gunn, Rob Ellis, Sports Take, Jacob Sports, YouTube Network. I want to talk to you about Flynn Tree Services. 
Flynn Tree Services is an experienced, licensed, and insured Pennsylvania tree services company that will trim or remove any unwanted trees off of your property. They offer cost-effective solutions to any tree problem that you may face, and they are experts at trimming all types of trees. They serve southeastern Pennsylvania, South Jersey, and northern Delaware. Flynn Tree Services specializes in tree removal, stump grinding, as well as tree pruning. You can go to their Facebook or Instagram page for more information or a sampling of their work. Give Flynn Tree Services a call at 610-850-2848. That's 610-850-2848 or online at FlynnTreeServices.com. That's FlynnTreeServices.com. company and you're not producing a podcast you're missing out the public consumes messaging when they're ready join the professional podcast network of companies and let jacob media partners put you in the podcast arena come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast call jacob media right now at 267-261-3428 267-261-3428 my name is dr bruce grossinger and I'm the medical director of Philadelphia PRP and Stem Cell Institute. I'm reaching out to those who suffer from spine and joint pain. We use treatment methods that require no surgery, no scalpel, no drugs. Running, walking, or whatever your desires are, Dr. Groshner is where you need to come. You can benefit from the same PRP and stem cell treatment as Wilbert Montgomery. Call us now at 610-222-5675. Save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. What's up, everybody? Thanks for hanging out with us. That is D-Gun. I am Rob Ellis, uh, and we are hanging out with you on this Friday. Um, Eating Cheerios again. No Cheerios. I had Cheerios for breakfast. Same breakfast every day. With milk? 
I got to stay consistent, man. You know that. I know. I you know. know me. I have to ask, though. I know. It's worth it's worth, it's worth it to ask. All right. So uh, Chase Claypool, Gunner, uh, gets traded to the Dolphins. He ends up getting moved. There was no surprise there. Um, Miami is giving Chicago a 2025 sixth-round pick. Ugh. Yes. In exchange for Claypool and a 2025 seventh-rounder pending the physical – it's been a disaster. They traded for him less than a year ago. They gave up a second rounder. Yep. Chicago saving t- uh, two point two million against their cap by moving him. Um, they they basically told him to stay home the last couple of games. This is no surprise. But he, look, if if he doesn't, if this doesn't wake him up, I don't. I think it's it. I think this will be it for him. But he does get an opportunity with a really good offense in, in Miami. At some point, it has to be click in with him. This could be his last chance to play and fulfill his dream of playing lo- a long term in the National Football League. You wore out your welcome real quick in Pittsburgh. Chicago got duped and gave up a second round pick for this kid. He has talent to be an exceptional wide receiver in the National Football League. If if the Miami leadership down there of Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle or anything. They get to this dude and tell him, hey, look, man, look what we have here. You understand you have a chance to help us go deep into the playoffs and possibly shock the world and get to a Super Bowl. We ain't putting up with your nonsense down here, man. If you're not coming down here to work, let the organization know so they can get rid of you so we can get somebody else down here. Plain Mm -hmm. and simple. Because if he gets his head on straight and realizes, man, I went from Pittsburgh to Chicago and now I have a chance to play with Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, and one of the most explosive offenses in the league. This could be it for me. You got to prove a lot of people wrong because there's a lot of people out there that want nothing to do with you. I'm shocked Miami so quickly took a flyer on this kid. But obviously, maybe maybe there's somebody in the organization that we don't know about Dolphins-wise, whether it's a player or multiple players or somebody who's a coach who has a history with Chase Claypool and can bend his ear and he will listen to them. That's the only reason why I will see Miami bringing somebody like that in because this is a kid has a potential to, to upset the apple cart and cause unnecessary tension, or he could be the steal of the season if he turns his head, if he gets his head on straight and turns his life around. Well, yeah, that and that's the thing. I guess you look at it a couple of different ways. Um, he either he's in a good opportunity with a very innovative offense, but yeah. When you have Tyree Kill and you have Jalen Waddle and you know all the other weapons that they have, is he going to get a lot of touches? I don't know. That, that's assuming everybody stays healthy, you know, which rarely not, happens. not if Tyreek has any say about it, because Adam messed up his two thousand yard season. That's true. That's true. <laughs> um, but he can also go down there if he humbles himself and pay attention to the way they go about their business, kind of learn from it. Even if he doesn't get maybe a ton of touches, if he shows he can be a good teammate, maybe he'll have an opportunity somewhere else, you know, as things progress here in his career. I, look, considering how dire things got in Chicago, he's lucky anybody wanted him. So he, I would view it as, as if I'm him as an opportunity. This is a chance. Now I don't see him playing this week. Obviously he has to get oh. acclimated to the Dolphins offense, but once he's integrated, if he, if he keeps his mouth shut, shows them that, that he's willing to work, I think he could be a great addition to that passing game down there, which is lethal already. You imagine if if he lives up to 75% of his potential, 
he is going to be a tremendous asset to that offense. And oh, by the way, the Eagles will have to see them in week 13 or 14, something like that. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, this, this could be it for him. He, you know, he made good money, but he could have make even more money. This is an audition. Dolphins might even try to resign him after the season. If they see the potential in him and realize that, okay, we can, we can control him. We can work with him and he can make big money with the Dolphins, but if nothing else, he can make big money elsewhere. He's still in the prime of his career. I'm same. I feel the same way. All right. So let, let's go back to two of the teams that we were talking about with, with a couple of the games that we were previewing or looking back at. So let's start with last night. Derek, do you realize, so the Bears sacked Sam Howell five times last night. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're on pace for 99 sacks allowed, Washington. Eagles got him five times. Right, right. So he, he, he they, they have gotten to him 29 times through five games. Jeez. The second closest is Daniel Jones at 22, but, but nobody is really that close. So that would be 99 over 17 games. The NFL record is 76, which was by the expansion Texans team on David Carr in 2002. Jeez. <laughs> I, don't, I don't care how young a quarterback is and how much a young quarterback bounces back um, health-wise. You take that kind of beating. That young man gets up slower and slower and slower. He's not going to be there to finish this season. If, if they if they don't do something to protect him better, I mean, th- that's ridiculous. I mean, I don't understand. Teams like Washington and the Giants, I don't understand how you didn't better address what everybody knew in the offseason was one of your glaring weaknesses was showing up your offensive line. I don't understand how you didn't go about doing a better job of making that line better than what it was. I don't. Yeah, bad. And, and the thing is, even though he's young and, and like physically might be able to you know, respond to it and survive it. How happy do his feet get permanently? Because we know that happens too. And yep. that's bad on a young guy that can shell a young guy. If that's the case, the more you get hit, the more you start getting happy feet, uh, the more you start hearing footsteps right. and it takes away your mental focus of looking down the field, trying to find that receiver. When you start peeking left and right, instead of looking down the field and, and going through your progressions, it messes up the timing of everything. And that's where you make more mistakes with the football. Um, and and I don't blame Sam Howell. You know, the fact is he can't block these guys up front and do his job um, as well. And I don't know what Ron Rivera does at this point, but they've got to find a way to tighten up that offensive line. They really do. All right. Um, you know you're a, a big-time player when a, a former president of the United States tweets about you. But Barack Obama tweeted out uh, about two hours ago, in Chicago, Dick Butkus was football, thinking of his family today and all the Bears fans who loved watching one of the best uh, to ever play the game. So pretty cool. Nice tribute there. Yeah, he, Barack, Barack blew, uh, grew up in Illinois, didn't he? He grew up in Hawaii, but oh, Hawaii. spent a okay. ton of time in, in, in Chicago uh, in politics yeah. and as a yeah. young adult. Yep. And now, obviously. Well, well, we know he's a big fan because uh, of sports because every year when he was in, in the White House, ESPN would do a segment with him of doing a bracket for the NCAA tournament. He'd be out in the, yeah. in the, on the driveway yeah. shooting at the White how many House. Other, yeah. How many other presidents would do something like that? Yeah, I, I loved it. I love that kind of stuff. I love I that love, stuff. The, you know. Yeah, you look human. You know, you look. that's what we all do. So have have fun with things. Yeah, when I, you I think when cool. you when you think about the president of the United States is the most protected individual in our country, and you know you let ESPN come in. I'm sure it's well controlled environment, minimum people allowed. 
have to get clearance. But the president every year, like clockwork, will sit there with his board and break down his board and who he thought would win, what the, what bracket, and who would be in the final four. I thought that was awesome because you never see a president, a high-ranking official, do stuff like that. I agree. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, Von Miller is listed as questionable, but Derek, he says his chances at playing are 94.5%. Yep. Yep. 94.5? Uh, 94 that, and a half? Yeah. That tells me somehow some way he's playing. <clears throat> Even if he's on a snap count, Von Miller's going to get back out there and play. And with Von Miller roaming that defense, it's a much more potent Buffalo Bills defense than without him. They played well this season. They'll play a lot better with Von Miller out there. Yeah, and they're down a guy. Greg Rousseau's out. Uh, so yeah, they're down yeah. an edge rusher already. So that's a uh, – that's a biggie, um, you know, for them. There's no question about that. So, um, also elsewhere, this is this could be a big one. I'm on Ross St. Brown, still not practicing with that abdomen. So, mm. you know, that's uh, we talked about it yesterday. They may get Jamison Williams back. They're going to need him if that's the case. And who's Detroit playing this week? Or is this their bye? They're playing the Panthers. So, it's and kind of a bye. They, I was going to say, they don't, meet, they don't need St. Brown to win that game. Yeah, but, I think I'm, I'm going to be careful with him this week. Yeah, I, I would. I would. That's a, that's a perfect spot for him to miss a game. I'm with you. Like, if it, it mm. kind of sets up nicely, uh, actually. Um, so, the uh, the we mentioned the Chiefs. Um, we talked about them a little bit earlier. So, if you're looking at things from a Chiefs standpoint, everything's been viewed through a Taylor Swift prism mm -hmm. uh, so far. Or with Jason Kelsey and Travis Kelsey and Travis, obviously, et cetera. Um, but uh, they're the mama Kelsey. Yep. Donna was on the Today Show and really was tight-lipped. They were trying to get some info out of her, and she wasn't giving any of it up smartly, I think. Yeah, when she was asked, how, how was it meeting um, Taylor Swift? She goes, it was all right. Yeah, it was all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was all right. Yeah. yeah. Nothing. Oh, she's really nice girl or nothing like that. But she could have done. Uh, yeah, she, she could, could have. Done. She said she thought about it, too. She said. It was OK. Yeah. Was, Thinking Mama okay. Kelsey's not exactly uh, a big fan. No, I think Mama Kelsey is tired of being in the spotlight. She just wants to go to games and watch her boys play football. Yeah. And because of uh, the networks putting her on that pedestal, Last year when uh, Travis and Jason were playing against each other, uh, the whole week there was something about her uh, um, on TV. Yeah. She's magnified during the game, the offseason. Now she's in a commercial, uh, you know, as well. Um, uh, one of those state – was the State Farm commercials? She's on Chunky Soup too with, the, with, both the, soup. with both the brothers. I think, you know, her notoriety has gone far beyond what she wants. She just wants to be a mom – who enjoys the game of football and enjoys watching her well-compensated sons playing at the highest level possible. And then you throw in one of the most renowned entertainers on the planet right now in Taylor Swift. And 17 times last game, they went to Taylor Swift in the box. And who's standing right next to his Mama Kelsey? Mama Kelsey's like, "Yeah, really? Can we stop this, please? Can yes. And it's not going to stop, you yeah. know. But at least Travis Travis admitted it. he said, "Hey, I brought this on myself." I did. I know, it. Yeah, he's owning you know, it. Yeah. So, all right. I magic. I mentioned. I I have to get to the magic quotes here. So Magic Johnson after the command, you know, he's a minority owner with, with Josh Harris and those guys. So he he said that um, 
quote about the commander's performance tonight, the commanders played with no intensity or fire. We didn't compete in the first half and got down 27 to three heading into halftime. It was too big a hole to climb out. And that's why we ended up losing 40 to 20. When one of your owners, and I know Josh Harris is the, is the trigger man. If something's going to yep. happen when, when one of your owners is saying something like that publicly, that ain't good for anybody. Everybody in that coaching staff should be kind of looking over their shoulder right now. I'm telling you. Most people who own a professional sports team have never played at the level of a Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson was a winner in college, was a winner throughout his career. He won an NBA title as a rookie. Mm-hmm. You know, he played center. When Kareem was hurt, he had to play center as a rookie and won an NBA title. Yep. He's won multiple titles. Everything he's done has been successful. Magic Johnson is not a person who takes losing well. And that's, you know, when Josh Harris came out and said, we have to win, we have to win. Is Ron Rivera's job safe? Well, we have to win, number one. Now a minority owner comes out and says, we didn't play up the expectation. Mm -hmm. Those things resonate throughout an organization, you know. And that's why I think if if Washington continues on this trend, there are going to be some changes. There are going to be some changes in the coaching staff and, and other aspects of that organization at the conclusion of the season. I don't have any doubt. I don't have any doubt. I, no. It may not even get to the conclusion. That's the thing. It might not get that far, Derek. Uh, yeah, I, you're right. And I think if they make a move and fire Ron Rivera before the season's over, I think I said it earlier in the show, I think their future head coach is already in-house. I think Bienemy just steps right into that role and takes over that team moving forward. Wouldn't surprise me. Would not surprise me even a little bit. DJ okay. Reed out for the Jets. Not something Ooh. they need, uh, for sure, when you're trying to get uh, rack up another win as as they're 1-3 taking on the Broncos. So he will be out for that game uh, mm. against Denver. That's a, that's a, that hurts. That, that, that's hurts. A, that hurts, yeah. Um, that's a good defense. Yeah, man. And he's a, good, he's a good player. He's a good player, too. But I still think the Jets' defense is intact enough to go into Denver and to make Sean Payton eat his words. I really yeah. do. And, 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 you know, I think the, the thing that's interesting about that game, you mentioned it earlier and we talked about it, you know, earlier in the week was, you know, the whole Hackett going back to Denver after that disastrous season that he had there. And you know what? He's downplayed it a lot. He really has. But mm-hmm. I, I think the Jets players have sort of taken this on themselves. You know, I'm just, I know Aaron Rodgers has talked to some guys about it. Aaron Rodgers can't stand what Sean Payton did to him because he's very close know. with Hackett. Um, but Connor McGovern, their center, yep, uh, uh, came out publicly and said he thinks it was wrong the way Peyton criticized him, mm-hmm. um, and he he viewed it as payback. So it's gonna be interesting. He said, "quote He got thrown under the bus, uh, and then they tried to drag him under the bus. We yep. wanted to rally around him from the start. He's such a good guy. I don't know how you you want to say this, uh, the opportunity he has, but we want to take the most, uh, make the most of him being our play caller. Anyway, but, mm-hmm. so, so I think it's the players that are more taking the mantra here for him. No, I think behind closed doors, Hackett is um, Hackett is seething. Uh, he might even have talked to his players. Hey, look, this is between us. Don't ever let this get out. Yeah. I want to go there and bust Sean Payton's you-know-what. I just want to bust him right in the mouth. The best way to do that, let's go in there and dominate that Denver team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's do it. You know, Rob, uh, Nathaniel Hackett has been very politically correct in front of the cameras, as he should, because if he said anything other than what he said and if he goes into Denver and they lose, makes him look bad, makes Sean Payton look great. See, I told you, you know, so the best thing is don't say anything. Go in there and do what you, you, you want to do. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, no question. All right, let, let's hit some of the other games that we haven't gotten to yet, Derek, uh, around the league. So we, we've already done the Giants-Dolphins. Hey, Wheel Cal- of Sport. I'm sorry. Wheel of Sport, appreciate you, bro. Appreciate the shout-out. Really do. There you go. Thank you. you. Hey, Wheel of Sports on 88. Where are you checking in from? Nobody's told us where they're checking in from. Yeah, we haven't gotten Every check-ins. Friday, we want check-ins. Every yeah. Friday, we want to know where our, our fan base and our loyal chat room is, is, is watching us and listening to us from. So, so uh, Wheels, Wheels Sports on 88, where you, where you at right now? Yeah, let's kick it off. Everybody out. Yeah. All right, everybody kick it off. Uh, so, yeah, uh, Giants, Dolphins, Cowboys, Niners, Jets, Broncos, Ravens, Steelers, Jags, Bills, Titans, Colts. All right, let's go Texans, Falcons, Derek. We're going to run through the 1 o'clocks here. Atlanta, home, minus 1.5. This is going to be a very short hook for Desmond Ritter. I think if you see a poor first half from mm-hmm. him, I think you'll, you'll be seeing, you know, a move made to Taylor Heineke uh, in that game. And, and I think D'Amico Ryan's defense is going to give Ritter all kinds of problems. I really do. And I love what D'Amico's doing down there. You know, young, fresh approach, great defensive mind. His defense is starting to show it. Um, and and they, they won a game down in Jacksonville that nobody thought they should have won. C.J. Stroud is p- playing, um, you know, flawless football for him. Um, I like Houston to go in there and pull off the upset, a, mi- a mild upset at that. But I like this young Houston team. Southwest Wisconsin, yeah, baby. Yeah. I appreciate in you. In the house. Wisconsin, yeah. We're getting you know. some good ones. I like it. We're all over the place. Right. Philly, Jersey, this. raised in Cleveland. Philly. Yep. Fizz, Philly, okay. Philly all day. Devin. Yeah. D.C., Hollywood, Florida. Bobby, appreciate you, bro. Yep. Yeah, Joey Halstead. B uh, is yeah. checking in from Colorado. We know that yeah. from Joey B. Uh, Timothy, where's Halstead, PA, anyway? Where is that? Halstead, PA, I believe is Reading area. Really? He can tell. He can correct us. But let us know. Let us know, I, Timothy. Where I've, been a, I've been a part of the Pennsylvania landscape for 26 years. 36 years. I was in Pittsburgh at NBC for 10 years, and I've been here since 97. There's still a lot, and I've I've toured my wife, my wife and I. We've toured all over PA, but there's still you know little towns I never heard of like Halstead. I have no idea where that is. So oh yeah, oh yeah, uh, Chris D from Portugal. Chris D, she's from doing in Portugal. We know yeah. that Taking Anthony. Classes. Anthony's in Toronto. Okay, cool. Oh, I didn't know right, that's where you right. All right, I appreciate Beautiful. you, Peter. Peter's Peter? in uh, Tampa what? from South Jersey. Like all right. that. I love right. Tampa. Right. Tampa's one of my favorite cities. I love Timothy Binghamton, Binghamton, New York. Brandon's coming from DC. Right. What? Uh, James is in Pennsylvania. PA. All right. Keep it coming. Keep it coming. Uh, All right. Who else? Who else do we have here? Yeah, we already got that. Sorry. Uh, Bobby Hollywood, uh, originally from South Jersey. Okay. All right. Yeah, keep them rolling. Let's see where you're from. Where's this? Honesdale, PA? Oh, he wants to visit Honesdale, PA. Honesdale, I think, is by Scranton. I is think. It? Never heard of that one. I've been to Scranton. I've never heard of that. Yeah. Pretty sure that's where Honesdale is, Scranton area. Um, Richmond. I, I think I was in a, a wedding in Honesdale. And I think it's really? right by Scranton. Yeah, I think so. I've uh, been to, uh, I've been to, was it Lidditz? Lidditz PA? Lidditz is there. right by Lancaster. Yeah, they got that, uh, is it Shady Maple? You've ever been to that? Shady uh, Maple. Yeah. I love Shady Maple. Yep. Oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah. I love that place. You know? Okay, JM, north of Scranton. Okay, that, no, of that Scranton. wasn't home. All right. Okay. okay. Uh, let's see. Churchville, that's correct. That is Jay Wright's hometown. Okay. Yep. All right. Yep. Uh, North Carolina's in the house. Appreciate you. Okay, so Halstead is 45 minutes north of Scranton. Oh, okay. Okay, Okay, got it. 
Appreciate that. Timothy. I love geography. I love I love finding out what Pete's places. From Pine Island, Florida. That sounds nice. Uh, mm. Very cool. Very cool. Good wow. stuff. I appreciate the. Uh, yeah, appreciate every everybody checking in. Um, but yeah, so uh, just getting back to that that Texans Falcons game. So the Falcons are favored. It is at home, but if it's a bad first half, I think you'll see Taylor Heineke in that second half, guys. I do too. I think Taylor Heineke might be the spark. I mean, look what he did when he was with Washington. Yeah. You know, Taylor Heineke is not a great quarterback, but he's a great competitor. Right. And he makes things happen. And right now, Atlanta needs something positive to happen. Yeah. And if Ritter bombs out, you're right. I think there could be a change at halftime because I do think this Houston defense is going to jump all over Ritter in that offense and give them a game. I really do. Um, D'Amico, you know, D'Amico's my guy. I'm pulling for him, you know, and I, I like what he's doing down there. And I mean, who, did you think Houston would be sitting here no. two and two right now? No, nope. nope. I didn't. That's going to be a fast I, I track team. That won't yeah. be. They won't be in the playoffs this year, but they'll be in the playoffs soon. Absolutely, I agree yeah. with you 100. percent Especially if Stroud keeps improving the way he has mm-hmm. so far, I agree with you 100. percent Philippines in the house. Wow. Nice. All right. I love, I love Lancaster. Uh, we go up to Lancaster. A lot. I love. I love driving through the Amish country, seeing those rolling hills and the farms and stuff like that. I love Lancaster, man. Yeah. Very um, cool. Very cool. All right, let, uh, let's go a couple other games here, Derek, just to finish right. off the card. Panthers at the Lions. We mentioned Amon Ross St. Brown may not be able to go in that one. Detroit's a heavy favorite. That's a 10-point favorite in that one. Even if Amon Ross St. Brown can't go, I still like Detroit to win that game. Uh, Carolina doesn't have enough to compete with this team, scoring 28, 30 points. Uh, Bryce Young is going through the growing pains, you know, um, he missed a game, which was significant in his development. Um, I do think down the road, uh, Carolina's going to gel and be a much better team, but they're going into Detroit at the wrong time right now. Uh, and I don't I don't see any way, shape, or form. I, I say Detroit wins this game by at least 10 points, at least. What's the spread on that game? 10. It is 10? 10 and a half. All right. I say Detroit wins by at least 10. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what have we done here? Let's go Saints Patriots. That's an even line in New England. Ooh. It's been ugly in New England. Um, you know the Saints have been okay Ooh. so far at two and two. Um, I don't like that game. I, I, uh, I mean, do you really see New England going to one and four? But I don't trust Mac Jones and that offense to do it. Me either. That's a stay away game, as far as I'm concerned. If you're thinking about betting that, but wow. what are you thinking that one? Uh, that's a that's a pick one. I pick them. I'm not touching that game. All right, I stay, All right. I stay away from that one. All right, let's go Bengals Cardinals. This game's in Arizona. Bengals are desperate for a win. They're one and three. Arizona's one and three. Cincinnati's a three point favorite. Barrow has not looked like himself. He says we need a win just for morale's sake. I'm going to grab Cincinnati here and and, ho- and hope they get something in the tank because this is not them. One and four would not be them. They're playing in Arizona? Yes. And the same Arizona team that shocked Dallas at home? That's and- played with basically every team every week. Like, they've been in these games every Jeez. week. I know. It's a tough one. Um, I thought last week would have been a desperation mode game for Cincinnati, and they lost it. Yeah. Um, I think this could be a really, really good game. This is one of those games I never thought I would say this at this point. I wish I could see this game. To see what this Arizona team looks like at home against a, a struggling Bengals team. I think based on sheer manpower, I would – What's the, what did you say the point spread was again? Three. Uh, Cincinnati is three-point favorites uh, on the road. 
I would not be shocked if Cincinnati covers because of just uh, superior talent. But Arizona at home, and and, and I, look, I saw the game the way they played against Dallas. If that Arizona team shows up, Cincinnati's in for a long day. But I think when it comes down to desperation mode, somehow Joe Burrow wills, wills that team to win. I'll take, I'll take uh, Cincinnati to cover in that game. Same here. All right, Chiefs at Vikings. Chiefs are three-and-a-half-point oh. favorites in this one. This game's in Minnesota. Uh, KC three-and-one. Minnesota one-and-three. And they're kind of lucky with the one win, frankly. Uh, they that, they could be 0-4 oh oh right now. Mm. Yeah. Minnesota, Minnesota has no run game. Um, no. They picked up Cam Akers, and, and I don't know how quickly he can get adapted to their system, but for whatever reason, they have no run game. The defense has been porous. Um, KC is KC. I think it's going to be an entertaining game points on the board, but I don't bet against Patrick Mahomes. I, ju- I just don't, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, even though that the wide receiving core for Kansas city is not what it was, they find ways to win. And so I think Kansas city is going to go in there and hand Minnesota another loss. And after that game, I'll be texting my brother and won't hear from him for 24 hours. If that's the case, man, they're cooked. You know, they they're lose that. They're done. Yeah. They're yeah. Done. All right, let's go to Monday night. Uh, last one: uh, Packers at the Raiders. Uh, Raiders are one point favorites. Derek in this one. Green Bay two and two. Raiders one and three. I like the Raiders in this one. Uh, now Jimmy G is still in protocol. It was weird. He's still in protocol, mm. but he practiced yesterday or he did some things in practice. Did, so yeah, did that's practice obviously by- big in this because if it's not him, it's the uh, the rookie Aiden O'Connell is the oh. uh, backup there. Let's see. Devontae Adams gets to play his old team. Uh, Jimmy G. Green Bay is getting a little healthier. They're getting some people back. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a problem with Green Bay's offensive line. They're bringing in offensive linemen to, to work out and stuff. Uh, Jordan Love. If Jordan Love gets protection, Jordan Love can win a lot of games. I love this kid, Jordan Love. Great, great throws, a great ball. Um, doesn't get rattled in the pocket. I think that offensive line is just killing. Um, it's killing Green Bay. Um, I'm going to take Green Bay in this game. I'm going to take it's Green a tough Bay. Call, yes. isn't it? You know, if Aaron Jones is healthy and Green Bay can get the running game going to take some pressure off of the pass blocking, and if Christian Watson is supposed to be back, I think Jair Alexander is coming back. Um, their first round pick, other first round pick at corner, Eric Stokes hasn't played. He's getting closer. Don't know if he's all the way back. Uh, Eldon Jenkins, their Pro Bowl left guard, I think is 50-50. If they get some of these people back, that's a little bit different. Green Bay can stay – defensively, Green Bay has played better than I thought they would. They're going to have a hard time tra- trying to cover Devontae Adams. Nobody mm-hmm. covers that man. You know, The only guy that can come close to covering him is Zaire, Zaire Alexander, and I don't know if they'd have him following Devontae the whole game. Hunter Renfro has not been a big factor no. uh, to the Raiders. Nope. I want to pick Green Bay. Okay. Go in there and up, upset the apple cart. All right. I'll grab the Raiders. We'll see how that one plays out. Well, we'll you do, did, do you a little did bit. that on purpose. No, no, no. We'll do a I'm little bit more on that, that on, uh, on Monday uh, when we come back. We can preview that one. All right. So coming back, a, a little, little stuff on Joel Embiid. Uh, Savannah Bananas. Lawsuits uh, being flung around yep. on yep. this date. Birthdays, movies, predictions. Got a lot in store for you in this final segment, so don't Sounds go good. anywhere. D-Gun, Rob Ellis, Sports Take, right back.
I remember getting my heart broken when they lost the Super Bowl in 2004. We were big Eagles fans. We moved to South Philly because of the Eagles. When they won, we went straight to Broad Street and uh, everybody was going nuts over there and it was just a, a memory that you'll never forget. own a company and you're not producing a podcast you're missing out the public consumes messaging when they're ready join the professional podcast network of companies and let jacob media partners put you in the podcast arena come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast call jacob media right now at 267-261-3428 267-261-3428 my name is dr bruce grossinger and I'm the medical director of Philadelphia PRP and Stem Cell Institute. I'm reaching out to those who suffer from spine and joint pain. We use treatment methods that require no surgery, no scalpel, no drugs. Running, walking, or whatever your desires are, Dr. Groshner is where you need to come. You can benefit from the same PRP and stem cell treatment as Wilbert Montgomery. Call us now at 610-222-5675. Save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. into the final segment on this Friday. Appreciate everybody who uh, spends time with us. Thank you very much. All right, on this date, Gunner, this is a good one. This will okay. get you in, right. mood, in the mood for tomorrow's game with the Phillies and the Braves. All right? Roy Halladay. Roy mm. Halladay. Don't tell me. 
No hitter. No hitter in the against. playoffs against. Dang it. Uh, oh. Washington. No. Close. Uh, let no. me give you a hint. Dang it. How can I give you a hint? Uh, that isn't too obvious. Um, <laughs> geographically near Kentucky. Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. That was so bad. I wasn't going to, what am I going to say? Like Pete Rose? Oh, no. I mean, you're going to know oh, what no. it is if I gave you one of those. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, oh, it was, my goodness. Yeah, it was, but it was amazing. Uh, I mean, it was, and then the great play at the end of the game, Chooch makes on a little dribbler because the bat's laying right there. He's got to like pick it up, throw it over the, 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 the guy running down to first base. And then Ryan Howard makes a nice catch sort of blindly. Yeah, but that was yeah. awesome. But it, he was just, Incredible, obviously. And speaking you know. of speaking of Chooch, I wonder, you know, you you know when they do those where are they now segments, I wonder where Chooch is now. What's he doing? Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's a good question. Like he just I, fell off the map. He, maybe he's just like, dude, I made a lot of money and I'm gonna go chill. And in, in, I think he was from Panama. Maybe he's just but, chilling somewhere in Panama, man, enjoying life. I don't know. And, and uh, Panama is a very cheap place to live. He comes back from time to time when you know when they have they honor guys and all that stuff. He was always beloved, man. That they, they those guys loved pitching to him. They absolutely yeah. loved him. So it's very cool, mm. very cool. All right, uh, so a couple other things. You pointed this out, Derek. If you have not already, do yourself a favor. Give yourself five minutes where you can just chill and if you want to laugh at something and be entertained. Yes. Yes. Watch the Savannah Bananas. Just go down the rabbit hole and enjoy because yes. they are. So much fun and so ahead of the curve in terms of marketing and just oh my goodness. fan enjoyment. I'm telling you, man. So it, this is great. They're going to be doing a major league baseball tour next year around a lot of different ballparks, including Philadelphia. Yep. yep. They're awesome. I love this. If I had little kids in, in two seconds, I would take them to go see the, the Savannah bananas. I, I will go so far as to say I don't need kids. I may go. You know how right. much I hate crowds. Right. I may go. To me, they are the Harlem Globetrotters of baseball. Um, they are very entertaining. Even the even the umpires are in on it. Yeah. You know, and they do these dance routines, and all of a sudden they throw a pitch. <sighs> you know, it's 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 comical yet entertaining, and they're very athletic. A lot of these guys played like minor league baseball, and and I think a couple of them had a oh yeah in the majors. If I'm not mistaken, mm -hmm. um, I would definitely go see this. If, if my schedule permitted, um, look, I hate crowds too, D-Gun. Yeah, I do. I hate crowds. I, I just, you know, and, and, you know, every every time I get a chance to go see a Sixers game, right. I find a reason not to go, <laughs> you know. I'm, yeah. I'm kidding you not. I my know. Brother, I got you. Yeah. My brother last my brother last year had to twist my arm to go fly to Milwaukee to go with him. He, he was in Minneapolis, came down. He wanted for his birthday. He wanted to go see the Bucks play the Lakers. Right, and I'm like, eh, I don't know about this, but I went because I hadn't been back home to Milwaukee in a while, hadn't sure. seen my brother in a while, and we went, had a great time, great seats, great time, and then when we got out, like I told you, when we got out of there, it was easy to get out. I was shocked, yeah. and the yeah. place was packed. Unfortunately, LeBron didn't play that night; just messed up everything. But it was still a great game, still a great time. Yeah. Um, I loathe crowds, man. I know. I, listen, I got you, man. I got you. But so the Savannah Bananas, yeah. uh, they they're an ex. They call themselves an exhibition uh, exhibition barnstorming baseball team. That's the way they they yeah. label themselves. But they're really fun. They're just fun to watch, man. And I'm telling you, 
Just just do yourself a favor. You'll 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 get five minutes of enjoyment where you don't have to think about anything for a little bit. Yeah, well, you know what's funny is I I accidentally stumbled upon their videos. I was on on uh, YouTube. This was a couple of years ago, and I just stumbled across something that says Savannah Bananas, and I'm like, what the heck is this? Mm-hmm. And I open it up, and I'm watching, and I'm watching, and I'm laughing right from the start. Yep. And then I start go I, I go to Wikipedia to research some stuff on this team. It's a fascinating concept, yeah. and they're they're like. They're just barnstorming everywhere, and, and great for them. They they yep. believe that this, I think it's a seven or eight city major league tour, will generate over a half million fans coming out to watch them. I believe um, it. If if you know what, if we can if we can work it out, Rob, we need to we need to hook up and just go sit in the stands and enjoy a day. I'll That's go. What we need to do. All right, I'll go. I'll go. Yeah. Uh, don't need to twist my arm to, to see them. All right. So a couple lawsuits, one Pat Fitzgerald, who was the coach of Northwestern who got fired, uh, because of the hazing stuff that was going alleged hazing stuff that was going on there. He's suing Northwestern for $130 million. Yes, sir. Um, yeah. I mean, this, this is a guy who grew up in the area, played there, was an all American. They got to the Rose bowl when he was there, has been the coach there forever. This guy was Mr. Northwestern, and he's going hard after them. Similarly, different cases, mind you. Mel Tucker, in, in just in terms of a coach being ousted, Mel Tucker's going real hard after Michigan State. Uh, he was he was let out of his contract for uh, you know alleged uh, sexual harassment, and he he claims he's got evidence to the contrary that will prove his innocence and text messages and all kinds of stuff. And I said to you, you got you and Tom when we were going through this in the uh, pre-show meeting, the, the you, there's like a balance here with these guys because you want a, you, you want your money that you would have earned. Certainly yes. you want to clear your name and show everybody, yep. you know, this was bogus, but you also want to coach again and yes. you can't have yes. this dragging on in the courts for years and years and years no. or else you're done. No. Um, one thing about the Mel Tucker situation is he has admitted from day one that there was consensual activity between them, whether in person or, um, by, by texting. And he has stood pat to that. And then he said, you know, he came out, basically said, if, if this is not rectified, I've got stuff I'm going to reveal. And I'm thinking, uh Oh, if I'm Michigan state university. And if they're, once I huddle behind closed doors and if, if I have, a, a doubt, a sliver of a doubt that this guy has something that we don't want to get out. I try to settle this real quick. Right. You know, real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, because on one hand, I, I don't understand if it was consensual, what happened because the woman, the woman is the one who basically brought this to light. Right. You know, and I, and we know that she had been a rape victim um, and she's a big advocate against uh, rape. Right. Um, but he says it's consensual. She says it's not. There's there's some gray area in the middle, and 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 now the coach is saying that he has something on Michigan State. Also, mm-hmm. better figure this out real quick. It's going to get real ugly for your institution. You're right about that. Uh, oh, uh, Jason Stark reporting uh, of the adjacent of the Athletic that game three and four for the NLDS in Philadelphia. Game three, which is Wednesday, five oh seven start. Game four Thursday, six oh seven start. Now, good, good. Yeah, I love it. Great times. Uh, game four, if all the other series are sweeps and everything's done, if, that, if they're the only game four, yeah. they'll push that to 807. But as okay. of right now, uh, 507, 607 starts. Love it. Love it. Love, love it. it. 
Good times. Although, although I have so many commitments on Wednesdays, I won't even get to see that game on Wednesday. Dang it. On Wednesday, yeah. Yeah. I hear you. I hear you. I, I hate that they space them out every other day. If you're in the home park, why can't you play back-to-back days? You know, and then get the day off and then come back to the next park, play back-to-back I days. know. You know, you know who's really bad with that? The NBA. Oh, my yes. God, do they space – especially the oh, early yeah. rounds. Yes. It, it is craziness, man. Yeah. You think in the NBA, you go to training camp in September, and if you're one of the fortunate two to get to the finals, right? you're not done until like mid-June. It's long. That is brutal, man. It is. It is. I agree with you. I, they're trying to milk every – they want to at least have – they don't – you know what they don't want, Derek? The situation we've had the last two nights, or, you know, last night and, and tonight, no games yeah. being played. I know. That's what they don't want. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. Uh so, yeah, I mean, that obviously keep your eye on what's going on there uh, with some of these lawsuits, because I, 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 I doubt either the school or the individual wants that thing to go on. Right. You know, for a really long time. I would I would highly doubt that. Uh, you, know, you know what happens? The longer something goes on, the more stuff is revealed. Uh, uh, correct. Yeah. You, we, yeah. You settle mm-hmm. something and then you do the non-disclosure and we can we can close the door and, you know, keep it moving. And, and that's what mm. most are looking for. All right. Let's do some birthdays. You ready? Sure. All right, here we go. Uh, Elizabeth Shue, the actress. 60. She's 60 today. Uh, and, and, Wrong. and from Wilmington, Delaware. Yes, she is. Yes, yep. she is. Uh, Bronny James. Uh, and and yeah. they still hope, there's still hope, Derek, that he will play this year for USC. I right. you know, you got to be careful with that. I mean, obviously, that was scary when he went down. But uh, 19 years old for Bronny. Mm. Carol Lombard, the actress. Yeah. Great 1908. Actress. Yep. Uh, Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence turns 24. Uh, Tony Dungy, Super Bowl winning uh, coach and analyst for NBC Sports, is 68 years young today. Yes. Amy Jo Johnson, actress, 53 years old. Britt Eklund, uh, actress, 81 today. Bruno San Martino. Anybody who uh, remembers wrestling back in the day, uh, he was born on this day in 1935. He was a big name in the wrestling world back in the day, man. Yeah, got to know him. He lived in Pittsburgh until he uh, passed away. Um, okay. He was from Italy and uh, for whatever reason resided in Pittsburgh all his life. And good Maybe dude. married a really girl from dude. there? Probably, yeah. yeah. Just yeah. a good dude. Yep. Uh, Jeremy Sisto, the actor, 49. Kyle Pitts, uh, Philadelphia's own tight end. He's got to start picking it up a little bit. Uh, oh, Wood. Yes, uh, for the Falcons. Ellen Travolta, who is John Travolta's sister, yep. is 83 years old, actress herself. Janet Gaynor uh, was born on this day in 1906. Uh, Emily Mortimer, the actress, 52. Kevin Cronin, the lead singer of REO Speedwagon, is 62. Rebecca Lobo, phenomenal women's yes. basketball player, uh, analyst now, 50 years old. Richard Seymour, longtime uh, Patriot and Raider, 43. And that's all of the birthdays that I have. What else do you have? Uh, let's see. You have uh, Olivia Thurlby from the movie Dread and Oppenheimer is 37. Uh, Jacqueline Oberdors from NYPD Blue is 57. George Westinghouse, who uh, founded the Westinghouse Electric Corporation, and yep. he created the, rail, uh, the railway air brake. Uh, that was guy born. was brilliant and created a lot of jobs Woo! for people. A lot of jobs. He was born in 1846. Dennis Oil Can Boy. Oh, Remember the picture? Oil Can. Yes. Oil Can Boy. Uh, can't believe 64 already, man. My man, my man was wild. You never know what you were getting with Oil no, Can. No, no. He, he was Plus out he was, there. He was 6'2, a buck 50. <laughs> he was he was a rail on the mound, man. 
But he can sling it, though. He, he can could. sling it. He could. Uh, boxer Ricky Hatton, who was a big thing. Uh, you know, and they loved Ricky Hatton. He was 43-0 and until he met a guy named Floyd Mayweather. Bye-bye. After that. And then after that, he lost to Manny Pacquiao. He got knocked he, out by both. He never recovered from three no. those. He nope. ended his career on a two-loss streak. Yeah. He lost his last two fights. Uh, Jerry, he was like, I made enough money. I'm good. Yeah. Uh, Jerry Heller. The name Jerry Heller was prominent in the movie Straight Out of Compton. Oh, yeah. He the was the manager. manager. Um, dude, what a fascinating story this guy was. He was born on this day in 1940. Do you know he managed Marvin Gaye, Otis Redding, Crosby, Stills, and Nash, Ike and Tina Turner, Creedence Clearwater Revival, just to name a few. He had and all it, those people? He had all those, and he had other prominent rappers in the 80s, 80s as well. Wow. Um, he and, and that's just scratching the surface. There are a lot more big-name people he managed. I, I did know. not know that. I yeah. did not. I, I I didn't even know he had anybody besides NWA. Oh my god! Yeah, but when, you, when obviously he came out in a negative light in uh, in NWA, oh. they sued him, and yeah. he was highly upset when the movie came out about how he was portrayed, which was yeah. not true, and right. all this stuff. Um, well, Ice Cube was the first one time. to see it. Ice Cube oh, yeah. recognized it. The others took oh, them yeah. a lot longer. Yep. Uh, let's see who else we have. Uh, Leslie Moonves, who was a former uh, CEO of CBS Corporation. Oh, yeah. He ran CBS for a long time. Yep. Yeah, got into a lot of trouble. Uh, yep. He was born on this day as well. Let's see. Mm-hmm. Did I miss anybody of notes? No, I did not, Mr. Ellis. All right, let's do it. Movies. Uh, a lot of good ones here. Uh, the Departed, yeah. 2006. Yeah. Meet the Parents, 2000. Great movie. Great movie. Uh, Blade Runner 2049 was 2017. Yep. Um, Assassins, 1995. Mm-hmm. Get Carter, 2000. The Jazz Singer, back in the day, 1927. That's all I have. What else do you have? Uh, no Escape Room is pretty good, 2018. Pet Cemetery. I didn't even know they had. They made another one. It's coming out today. Pet Cemetery Bloodlines comes out today. <laughs> uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre at the beginning. That's another movie. I watched the first one out of curiosity. We'll never watch another one. Yeah. Um, 2006 that came out uh the movie taxi came with uh i think that was with uh, queen latifah came out in 2004 comedy and the remake of footloose came out in 2011 all right all right let's uh let's have tone hop on i think we're okay did he did he did he get the issue straight now if he didn't he was we we've had some technical issues so you know what if tone can't hop on um that's that's cool we get it um, so we'll, we'll start. If he can hop on while, before we get out of here, he'll hop on. If he can't, right. no big deal. Um, all right, well, uh, let's start with this one, Derek. Let, let's go with the Phillies first and then we'll end it on the Eagles. Um, tell me what you think tomorrow. I mean, they get Strider who's, who's phenomenal and it's, it is Ranger Suarez. Uh, they were able to, to get game one last year. Yep. And in, in Atlanta, which turned out to be huge because they lost game two, but then they went to Philly and won, you know, the next two and, it, and that yep. was it. Yeah. So what do you think here? Give me, give me your, give me your thoughts, Phillies. Man, I can't, I can't give you a definitive thought. I think if they don't get this first game, the Phillies could be in trouble. Um, obviously, if they come back uh, uh, down 0-2, it's over. If the Phillies can steal a game, I think it ends similarly that it was last year, to where the Phillies come home and wrap it up. It doesn't even go back to yeah uh, a game, a game five down in Atlanta. Um, they are so evenly matched. It's, it's not even funny. Um, both of them are big boppers. Lineups from one through nine are lethal. Uh, pitching, 
Um, I can't even give an edge to one or the other in the pitching department. I think it's going to come down to who's hot at the right time. Um, and that's, and, and because Atlanta has, has the home field advantage for that fifth of deciding game, I think the Phillies need to get home and end it here. I don't want to see them go back down there for a fifth game. So I can't pick, I can't pick a series winner, Rob. Normally I I pick one. I can't, I can't do do it. it. I'll do it. Here's what happens. I hope I'm wrong. I think they lose tomorrow. Okay. Strider's going to be tough. Strider Suarez matchup. It does not favor the Phillies. Although they beat him last year in the playoffs. They did. They yep. did for sure. And it was here, which was a little bit different, but yeah. Yep. But, but I think Wheeler deals again in game two. I think Breed okay. has issues with that blister. And I think the Phillies win game two, come back here. Okay. They win. They're going to split here. Okay. The series is 2 2. Uh, we go back to Atlanta uh, okay. for game five, and the Phillies win it in five D gun somehow. Some way in Atlanta. Boom. On to the NLCS. Is that is that your professional analysis or is that a Homer analysis? Homer analysis. Okay. All right. At least you're honest. <laughs> At least you're honest. Um, uh, you know, Quan says, come on, D-Gun, just give a prediction. I can't do it. All right. I can't do it. I just can't do it with this series. I'm sorry. I apologize. I can't do it. All right. All right. Let's go birds. Let's go eagles here. Um, you know, this is a game that's that's kind of fluctuated a little bit, four and a half. Four Eagles 50, 50 and uh, over under 50, 50 and a half. Eagles go out there, obviously a little bit banged up. Fletcher Cox, uh, Tui Pelotu, yep, Jurgens, uh, you know, down some bodies here. Um, what, what do you think in this one? Um, I think this game is going to follow a similar pattern to what we've seen from this Eagles team. Uh, it's not going to be a complete effort, it's going to be inconsistency, ups and downs. You're going to see people screaming all across social media about this, that, and the other, primarily the passing defense. I do think the Eagles can run the ball against this defensive front with a good measure of success. Control Aaron Donald. You will find a winning formula. I see the Eagles coming out on top of this game like 28-24. All right. Uh, I think it is a high-scoring, close game. Survival, again, we've had a lot of these already, and I think it's another one where you're like, after the game, oh, I think they win. I think it's 31-30. You could be right. Jake Elliott, again, money late with a big one. And the Eagles defense does just enough. Uh, They get a stop when they need it and they survive. I think it is a survival game. And we're going to have, we're going to be in the same boat where we're looking at some really good things and still really worried about the defense when this thing's over, I think. And play calling maybe. In, yes. In situations, yes. And it's going to be, yes. it, is Howie going to make a trade because they need to get, uh, you know, a, a nickel corner or they need to add to, a, to the safeties mm. or whatever. So I think we're going to be in the same boat. I think it's going to be like, not saying every game is going to be super high scoring all year, but I think right. most games this year are going to be close. Uh, you know, I, I look, I hope uh, the real RMP is right. If the Eagles win 27 13, great. I would love okay. to see an easy, all right, no sweat kind of game. That would be great, but I don't, yeah. I don't see it. What is this, Anthony Lear? What's D Gun know about NWA? Man, you probably weren't even born when NWA was in their heyday, man. What you know about what D Gun know about NWA? Man, take this stuff on. It's Friday, man. You can't mess with me today. Oh God, All right. Jedi mind tricks can't get me today. It's Friday. Exactly. Friday. Friday is correct. Friday, All right, I want to thank uh, Tone to Shields. We know Tone's having some technical problems and he's battling yeah, today. Man. So good work out of Tone. Just trying to get by. He's trying to survive, doing his thing. Uh, great stuff out of the chat. Thanks as always yes. for participating in the program, guys. Yeah. 
and every every one of you guys uh, streaming, everybody listening, uh, just hanging out with us each and every week. We do appreciate it. Remember, we're back Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern. So we do 11 to 2 each and every day. And we'll certainly have all, you know, looking back at the Eagles game, everything that went down. And, and we'll be able to recap and recap game one, Gunner, of the Phils and preview game two, which yes. was played Monday night. Mm. So uh, looking forward to all of that. So appreciate all you guys hanging out with us. And don't go anywhere. National football show coming your way with Dan Cilio. So uh, for Derek, I'm Rob. We appreciate it. Have an awesome weekend, everybody. And we will see you guys Monday. Thanks.